Hey guys, we are back. I well, I'm back for showing Ronan. I'm after two long breaks, three long weeks. I'm finally able to talk about some new chapters within Shonen Ronin. Uh, for this episode, we are going to be talking about Kaiju number eight, chapter 5859, Jujutsu Kaisen, chapter 180, Undead Unlock, chapter 105, and One Piece 1035. Uh, we don't have Vash with us just yet, but he will be back in just in time to talk about One Piece. And you know what? We're going to slip a little bit of Black Clover because, you know, something is being hinted. So, Let's just see our faces. Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Shonen Ronin. We are back with our boy, Aniki Smash FSP. And we, he's back. We all love last week's episode where we talked about that One Piece talk. I just want to know, is it as hype as last week's chapter? I think it counts as, like, more hype. Almost unquestionable. Okay, that's fair. It's one thing to, you know, get, like, these reveals and, like, talk about, like, oh, yeah, like, Luffy is just, but, like, kind of seeing one just how ridiculous we're actually talking about stuff being we got, we, i'm not going to talk too much about it because we got to save the one piece for when Vash gets here so just just, just push all the one piece thoughts to later <laughs> just push them towards later heard 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 um we're gonna start this off like we always started off we're gonna start with, with kaiju number eight i know we haven't been talking about that for a while because it's going back back to his bi-weekly chapters but back to back, fifty eight and fifty nine has been very solid chapters for this new arc. Almost definitely. Um, I'm glad to see we got our boy back. Our our best boy of the series has returned. After I I actually went back looking, guys. It it's from the mid twenties. Yes. Okay, I thought he had it's, been gone for it's, a while. It's from yes. the mid twenties that we have not seen him in like, the series because, and it doesn't Chikawa. feel that way because. Like the the story just kept progressing so much that we didn't realize like oh a thing happened and then another thing well, happened and then another big thing happened. It was so. like learn about this platoon, learn about this captain, learn about this captain, learn about this vice captain, and so it's like we were on a path that was like so still expository, mm -hmm. and and I think that's kind of what's cool about this is that I think to a certain degree Kaiju Number Eight is fun, but it's felt very by the numbers in a lot of ways yeah um and i think with this chapter and like with the, like these couple chapters they've kind of shown this is that for all intents and purposes this was like all one big prologue to the actual mm -hmm. kaiju battle kaiju war that we need to be focusing on and so it's kind of like it couldn't it like it did some stuff that was cool exploratory and, and like you know like familiar with you know the whole kaiju weaponization system because like especially if you read like tokyo ghoul or if you played monster hunter you're kind of familiar with the whole harvesting monster parts for weapons right. uh trope which play monster hunter great game uh but i, I did tried too. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally tried to play monster rises last night yeah, we, we both were like trying to do multiplayer, but internet connections. It, it's oh, dude. Bad. If you, okay, so we might have to do a friend code exchange. After let's this. go. All right, let's do it. It's, the party right, I, 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 I'm still kind of a beginner. I need to train for that. Right. Oh, <laughs> what, what, what weapons do you like in? Because I'm an insect blade main. I, I used to do insect for like with a DS, but like I, I think I've messed up my buttons on a DS because of using insect blades. Yes. Oh so I literally just character creation i've owned that game for literally a year i just character creation it's all sam's fault actually um, i had yeah. to 
I mean, like you need you need motivation. You need people needed, to play. I needed, I, needed, I needed a push. I needed a reason to play. Um. So, yeah, we'll definitely exchange and link up. We've been trying to do Saturdays. So, let us know. Actually, I've but, been yeah. using uh, um, insect live is definitely the weapon. I'm not using that this playthrough though. I'm definitely going to use um the dual swords I'm feeling right now. Oh. Okay. Um, because I've never actually, I've like I've never actually tried them to let them be useful. Um, and then oh, if yeah. I if I go back later in the game, I might switch into um one of the charge weapons just to try it out. I gotta let you know I'm like HR one hundred something. That's fine. You can you can show us the way. <laughs> so it <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, I was gonna say like dual blades are fucking great on this game, uh, especially because they have like bonus little moves and stuff so mm -hmm. it, that you, when you get to see him like you can basically surf on a dragon now pretty reliably if you do it right so mm, yeah, you got cool. some nice tasty stuff uh but kaiju number eight yes <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Kaiju number eight. the new kaiju compatibility of weapon number six so and did y'all see did y'all see that little glimpse of weapon number six aka the king of kaijus aka that silhouette in the background that looked very similar to a king of kaijus that a lot of us are probably really familiar with in the, the he has a lot of tails of he's a lot more tails than our usual boy like okay yeah, but he's so, definitely definitely looking that that silhouette in the water was definitely very godzilla-esque um very reminiscent of that silhouette so my, i think my favorite thing about this is that we've been apart from him for so long that as we dive into this kaiju and we get the backstory on, you know, which you're correct, is, looks like a extra tailed Godzilla. Uh, I think we're about to actually get some of the more unique lore for kaiju number eight, where it's about to start getting kind of, where it's about to really start setting itself apart from other kaiju stories. Mm -hmm. At least this feels like the, the moment for it to really to push off and do that because we'll get to explain the Godzilla thing. And then of course, that means we're getting somebody with the heavy, more likely like a, like a laser beam or something i mean it is the same kaiju that like literally destroyed a lot of the vision it killed Shim Shim shimuya's mom mm -hmm. uh they just so they just cut it close to actually beating like the king of the former king of the kaijus and what's crazy is like within the new recruits shimuya is using num i forgot which number it was but she, she had the axe and now someone she's been training next to is gonna be using the same kaiju weapon that killed her mom. It's really connected in this sort of way. Yeah, and I think that's, there's, there's a lot of full circle moments about to happen for sure. And I agree with you, Aniki, I think. So I think the thing that lured me in about kaiju at the very initial stages was a very unique premise on a very traditional story. I have always felt that that's kind of been the undertone of the series. You have a shonen series where the, the 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 story is being guided by someone who isn't a shonen, um, but the story is very much so a shonen story. Um, you know, we get these powers, but there's like an appropriate scaling, but then they break the scaling. But there's something in place that kind of keeps the world constantly grounded in a reality that is, while almost dystopian, still feels like it could be something that could be happening right now. Yeah, it, it, that I like that it it feels dystopian when the kaiju pull up because it's like everybody's immediately in shelters and you're like, man, they live in this dark world where. Da -da -da. But then like they start talking about the kaiju attack timings and stuff, and it's like, 
well, I guess it's not too bad if you live more inland where or something like that, and you're kind of like, well, da, 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 da. but at the same time, Japan's an archipelago. So like when you think about it from that angle, it's like since it's a bunch of interconnected islands, is there really anywhere inland that you're actually feeling like, yeah, I don't have to worry about kaiju? So I think that it does a good job of like being that standard kaiju thing while letting us know that like since we're focusing on adults we can get some of the more shonen stuff like in his relationship and like chasing after his old friend and they're mm-hmm. the, like bickering and the rivalry we see between like the captain and the vice captain but ultimately like the way that they're going to conduct themselves and move about in the world is still going to be more centered around making more rational level-headed decisions and people struggling with these complex or actually like tackling these angles from an adult angle like not as a shade to Black Clover, because this is actually one of the things that I liked about it, is mm-hmm. like during the Elf War arc or the, the reincarnation arc, whatever you want to call it, um, Asta pretty much goes, look, I, I just want to stop the, like the leader who's causing the war, but I'm going to be honest and admit that I'm not the kind of guy who's like smart enough to figure out a solution to all the past prejudices and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. but I can help defeat the bad guys to create a temporary peace to allow somebody who's smart enough to figure out those answers they are also so, using a for, using the same power of the kaiju that incite, incited fear amongst the people who lived during that time when he was doing the attack mm-hmm. so it's like yeah we know how powerful it is it's like it's it's savage for one like it has so much power and now we're using that same fear and power of a giant kaiju as our weapon against a new future threat that can be much can be much worse than kaiju number six. Um, honestly, it's cool. The person that's gonna be training uh, our boy Ichikawa is gonna is a lookalike from Bleach's first captain, Shinsei. Oh, Shinsei Yoraku. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. like the whole lax. The beard, the beard and goatee, the laxness yes, of drinking and matings and like stuff like that. guy. Just listen to Kimono. <laughs> hey, his bankai was actually something else. I, I enjoyed. It's definitely, definitely one of my cosplays that I would like to do. I mean, he's lax, but he's very like knowledgeable. He's also really focused. He's also told him like, you know, this is a powerful weapon. You may be the only compatible user that we ever had to today. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I'm down for the cause, but like, I'm gonna give you fear warning. Like, you, you, like, if you're about this, oh, you're not gonna back down. Mm-mm. Okay, cool. Just know I'm gonna use you like the tool that you are. Like, <laughs> that's all. It, that's that's all it boiled down to. As long as you understand, as long as I did my part to give you just explanation, I'm gonna use you the way that I intend, or the way that the the the, the fleet intends for me to use you. Essentially, I think and- I actually like the how he, he's. It's like he gives him this full warning, even though he has he doesn't seem like he has any sympathy or care. Like, you know, half these people who actually try this died in person. And how you're gonna like be one with the kaiju. That was actually very interesting. The moment he was hooked up into it, mm-hmm. you you front face, you see kaiju number six, like Godzilla in front of your face in that sort of situation. And I think that was cool. It's like if you want to use this weapon, you gotta literally like face the same kaiju in your mind kind of thing with the same intensity 
same uh, killing instinct, like a whole another animal inside you. Yeah, most definitely. I think it's funny because of the whole like the comparison factor of like, hey, this is what my boy's been dealing with, but really, there's nothing. It's nothing like anyone's ever dealt with. <laughs> I don't think any. I don't think any of the. I don't think besides maybe um the former uh, head. I don't, uh, Mr. Shinui. I don't think anybody else has dealt with the ferocity of what that is. Um, I don't think. Um, oh Lord, what's his name? Our protagonist. Um, uh, Kafka. 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 I don't think Kafka has that same semblance besides the moment where he was like almost taken over it's that was a but that was the thing that happened like later on in his like his process as, of being a kaiju if you know what i mean like mm -hmm. it's not something that he had to face up front with the powers um so i think it's very very much so a unique experience for for him but it's gonna be fun to see the adjustment of like hey i can do this too i can be elite I have the the, ten, the talent and the potential for this because we always knew he had the potential, right? It's just that someone else who already had a bigger wealth of potential showed up on our screen, um, essentially. So we're going to have our big three, essentially, uh, take the stage very, very soon. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. <laughs> Anything. He can also reference like the other captains that was using the number weapons. Um, yeah, but he has no he has no depth of connection to them. That's his whole you. his whole thing at this point yeah. is is he's been separated much like we have seen physically with the chapters he's mm -hmm. been separated from his guy for a long time he's not been worthy of fighting on the same field as the guy that he basically has the most respect for outside of the captain you know the person that's supposed to be his rival essentially yeah like that and if you because they kind of have like a mix of saitama and genesis relationship and like mm -hmm. just classic friends Mm -hmm. So it's like this idea that he's like, yo, if I have this chance to be on this level with this dude that I came into the academy with, because the other thing is, it's like, it's similar to how Kafka ends up feeling about his childhood friend, where right. he ended up doing cleaning while she was actually out here, you know, doing all this other stuff. And he was sitting there like, man, I've been really left behind. I need to get back to that level, get to that stage, get to that environment. And then that's the same place where Reno was, except it's you could argue it's better or worse. I guess it's a matter of perspective in that regard where he's like, I am even closer within reach and I'm still being left so far behind. Mm -hmm. Like I, I got into the military and then I was just completely outlapped and he's just off doing these other things and I was supposed to be like there for him riding it out. Mm -hmm. So. But yeah, he gets a one month trial period to keep working with number six as a weapon at least he's not dead like within like the other candidates um but like the captain is not not wrong like if he's able to take number six and put it into the front line it's like it's it's gonna be savage it would be a pretty deadly fight especially when number nine's base is within the cracks default in between the faults of the earth's ocean where you know like humans can't get to so like he doesn't have to worry yeah. about he doesn't have to worry about the base getting attack. Yeah. The other thing we know is that these, the conscious of these entities that are kaiju are not dead entirely. Um, yeah. They're suppressed. They're, they're, you know, not able to function at critical mass. 
but they're not dead by any stretch of the imagination. There's, there's clearly like a vestige, so right. to speak, left in there that is like has like a form of consciousness to it. So if you which, can tap into that as an information resource as well, that's like a whole next level as well. So I, I, I'm expecting we get a kind of a flash forward in the next chapter. Um, Kaiju number eight is really good about doing that. Like it, it casually, a, a year will casually pass because you don't realize you skip forward three weeks here. You skip yeah. forward two months here. So I, I'm sure we're going to get like a little mini skip forward here um, and probably in the next chapter. So I mean, I think it's talk fine. about how kaiju attacks happen frequently mm -hmm. but like frequently tends to mean like once a week or something like that more mm -hmm. than uh every single day or like one every couple hours mm -hmm. there's usually like a more coordinated militaristic approach to it and that's one of the things they've been talking about is that while there's been an uptick what's actually been more alarming mm -hmm. is that this high rate is combined with an intel intelligence to the way that they're executed mm -hmm. and that's why like when they said they were in the Marianas Trench, my one of my first thoughts was kind of like, oh yeah, only like five percent of the ocean is supposed to have been explored. And like scientists basically say they know more about um the ocean than they know about or more about space than they know about the ocean. About the ocean. Yeah. So it's like, all right, yeah, fair game. Just put them somewhere deep in the ocean. Like, and it makes sense for them to not, you know, crack under that pressure due to circumstances. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so far, we'll see more with uh, Ichikawa. He has one month. He's only equipped to his arms. I think they're gonna have to give him the full bodysuit, just like. Uh, eh, I don't think he's gonna get the full thing under control. Not <clears throat> the full thing, but like I think the how, how the final form would be like him right, wearing right, a right. full suit, like the. Yeah, uh, he's eventually gonna have to be fully suited up. I mean, like, they, they talk about his potential in a way that it is possible that he might actually have this thing mastered in a month, but I think it'd be a little bit more practical for him to be like maybe 70%, 70 to 75% capacity of like the gear is, as far as like the gear is concerned. Uh, the way I look at it is I'm expecting him to have full mastery of like the arms. Mm -hmm. um, and then I could see him having like one like the whole deck, the whole Deku percentage just five percent ten percent and then yeah slowly move up. like like slow like like percentages of his suit so like maybe an eye for a reticle and yeah. then like both arms and then maybe something like along his spine and so yeah that way he can like still yeah be much much similar i'm thinking arms torso and then the eyes probably a good point as well some type of added sense of the eyes or even maybe the ears or something that's just like adding to that that value factor but I think, because um, that's kind of like the method that they use, I think he's going to operate probably, like I said, around 70% probably is going to be like the cap out. Because they're not going to let him, even if he could operate at 100, they're not going to let him operate at 100. So I'm going to guess that he can he can probably master about 70. They're probably going to tap him out to some reasonable number. So say 60, 65% to keep him within like, you know, tolerance range for a duration of time. It'll be interesting to see how they do it. Um, there's definitely some 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 mechanisms in place that give an idea, but I love that this series doesn't necessarily hold its ground to giving everyone the same rules. Mm -hmm. um, everyone's allowed to have their uniqueness. Um, everyone that they put on the screen that's unique is unique for a reason. So um, even even the other um, the, the other classmate who they're showing, I'm sure he's going to have a role that's going to play a factor because they've been showing him alongside as well. 
and he was also part of like that big five from the from that first group. So yeah, because he was at like what like pull up with thirty five percent values on his suit or something like that. Just yeah, so. he was just he had tapped out is what was happening. He was like top of the class, and then he he like peaked and he couldn't get past that certain point for a little bit. So that's interesting. All of it. It's just like and I can't I, wait to see what's to come. I like how you mentioned how everybody wasn't everybody's unique in their own way. Like Vice Captain Hoshina getting that extra kaiju weapon isn't because, you know, of like necessarily how he tests, but it was because of how he fights. Mm-hmm. And he like the kaiju was like, bro, you was throwing hands. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. else be trying to just air us out. You threw hands. I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me and, see what you're trying to do. Like, uh, let's go fight some. Let's go fight right now. Let's go. Let's go run somebody pockets. I got you. That, that actually brings up the like the rule thing that uh, Kendall brought up, where like everybody have different circumstances. At least Vice Captain will <coughs> have, will still have number ten's consciousness, and like right. have a more of a control thing. Uh, about Ichikawa, he's gonna have to maintain a beast. Kafka, so, so yeah, he, he, it's, he, it's like I think it's like. It's like Naruto and um, Kurama. Like the tail beast. So like it's it's gonna be the more willing the t- the kaiju is affects the propensity for its use. Mm. So it's like oh yeah, you can get this crazy power from Kurama just because it's inside of you, but you can get even more crazy power if Kurama willingly lets you use this energy. If Kurama is helping you with using this energy i think that's that's kind of what the premise has been thus far um and i think i think um even for uh the former it's hard to say because they were both like irrelevant the mr shinoya i think like he didn't even have that relationship and i think if he had that relationship he would have been crazy stronger i feel like that was kind of like the cap that they intentionally put there because i think like if he had that bond I don't think anything, I don't think anything would have stopped them from winning that fight. Oh, you know, like, this whole thing is for us to, like, see how crazy powerful he was and understand that, in my opinion, that these dudes are going to surpass that. Surpass him. Isn't he, didn't he do this, isn't he in the same line within Reno with Ichikawa in a sort of way? Because he had number two. Mm -hmm. And now, like, Reno is having number six. They're both in the same similar way of you can't you're not really communicating with the kaiju beast from within mm-hmm. you're just using its power right but the consciousness at least for number two is present mm. um the consciousness for kafka's kaiju is becoming more present like yes so Which again i, I think the idea the idea of the presence of the kaiju being a factor in the temperament uh, and the power potential that's brought out i think is going to be interesting and then I think I think later on I think our girl's gonna have to get some type of um, inclination to a kaiju as well to be so, beyond that next level. I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't, specifically from the standpoint of I feel like all the I feel like a lot of the guys are gonna end up being like monsterized, but I think with her because her mom was a warrior who I don't think had to sync up the way that like these people did or maybe it'll turn out that's i mean that's true the other greatest female person also does not use um any of the kaiju cores she's just stupid crazy strong so but then like she did end up dying like because she's trying to solo everything i think this is the 
yeah like, but the kafka's um friend childhood friend she also is just she was i guess in your light anarchy she's probably going to get a weapon that's like beyond what any other weapon that has ever existed yet so far because she only or, used 99 uh, or 98 percent of her full suit and she'll be yeah. able to like like she'll start overclocking suits more than likely and they'll have to yeah. upgrade and so like upper, i can see her upper tier of suits will be created kind of thing yeah like i could see her being the reason that they end up having to make better suits and stuff like that and then that'll be how they get her up there without it so like she'll be the thing that progresses like human power forward that's what i kind of that makes see. sense like, i like that, that i like that her, dynamic yeah i like that dynamic i also like that i like that it's it's also the women so like because i feel like that also takes away from you i feel like what happens a lot of times when you monsterify women or female characters is that they try to make it look sexy instead of like letting it be the power so that that also allows them to steer clear away from that kind of dynamic where you're not unnecessarily adding a sex appeal to a series that isn't necessarily screaming or calling for that that type of fan service yeah. to be present like that isn't like i know some people are like well what's wrong with it's like it's we're not saying it's bad but it yeah, doesn't yeah, enhance no. it's not going to enhance the, series the, the way that it. the series is presenting itself that doesn't align with the way that the series is currently presenting itself doesn't say that it can't happen but i think that it's a good nod like you said because it would keep them away from having to do that and so to me it's just like a good way to focus on what's actually important keep going yeah, I think I think we also kind of want to know, like, we also want to know, like, what happens after the fact, because if if the world became kaiju free, now we're talking way later on and the series type thing, mm-hmm. if the war ends up being kaiju free, how do people function normally? You know what I mean? Is is like still a question? So it's like you know, potentially all of our guys that are using these kaiju's as as some form of weaponization their life expectancy is dropped declining. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, their, until- their life expectancy is dropping and i'd say that there's it creates a dynamic where they kind of have to worry about now like Mutation, what are the humans like humans who, or like the people who have those technologies utilizing that in different ways now in human on human combat which mm-hmm. i guess then you just end up with the mecha series so exactly pacific rim but yeah, um, I think I'm good with the uh, Kaiju number eight talk. Should we, uh, yeah. Yeah, any last words? No, no, we got that. We did that. Cool. We'll get, go straight into Undead Unluck. Yeah, so like, um, I, this is so fun. I'm loving, I'm really loving our current antagonist more and more the more that I see him in the panels. Um, I'm unruined loving that, or yes, uh, I'm loving unruined. I'm I'm loving no, not um, or uh, yeah, the not 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 negator, but uh, no, yeah, yeah, unruined, unruined. Sorry, so many new people recently, but yeah, I, I'm loving I'm loving that because he's also just like, oh, you you sleeping on Andy, you you you're 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 making the same mistake. You know what I mean? You're making the same mistake. And I spoke about it last time about the fact that I think that there is a dynamic of like, hey, we're both relevant for the next steps of what's supposed to happen. And this chapter completely cleared that whole exact point that I was making. Um, 
the negator, the human side, um, the rules, they both have their role that they have to play. And much like I was alluding to for, for this kind of presenting or pathway for, for God to present itself. And then we also got the, the intention, we finally really got the intention of our antagonist in, hey, my goal is to eliminate them from the next loop. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you guys keep playing this game. I'm actually going to just take them out of the loop altogether because the loop's going to happen regardless. God's going to come. We're going to reset everything. But if we stop them from being a factor, then we don't have to worry about, at least not to this extent, have to worry about it. Because I'm sure over time, a set of other negators would probably start that same process of trying to like overthrow God. Yeah. But I feel like I feel like what we get here is, again, we get the intentions of our antagonists, our current main antagonists, we see that there's a certain respect for the protagonist, which I like. I always like when our antagonist is not sleeping on our on our protagonist. And our antagonist is like, um, I dusted him around pretty easy, but like recognize game, recognize game. Like Andy's still the truth, and you you kind of slacking. Um, and then the other thing that we got from this chapter was also kind of like um, explaining the whole rule of ghosts and seeing how that seeing how rules can amplify, change, adjust, and even magnify the ability of any of the other um, negators, uh, basically, um, skills. So ghost and the, the, the concept, because we already had that point of like the, the limit of your powers and your rules and your ability to even manipulate or break the rules is in your head. And then we took that and said, oh, a new rule plus your power to be creative and imaginative has now given you the potential to basically awaken, so to speak, your your deeper level of your ability so i think um again that's a lot of the same stuff that we talked about last week um we're seeing the validation here in this chapter a very a very solid um page turn for on a dead unlock and it's something that they do really well they it's it's not just cliffhangers it's just very smooth transitions chapter to chapter and this was just another smooth transition as we kind of build up to hey what is the next steps? Um, Undead Unlock is constantly giving us like the next steps. And I really appreciate that because I don't have to question it. Um, and that's what makes it so much more refreshing of a read for me. Cause it's like, I don't have to wait long for an answer. Like, yes, there's like an over goal that I'm looking for, you know, but I don't have to wait long for the immediate of like, hey, what are we doing? It's not hiding it from me. It's not any trickery. Again, I like that with some series, but I also find it refreshing that Undead Unlock is not that way. Undead Unlock doesn't feel like it has any padding. Hmm. Like, you don't, there's no arcs that I feel like, oh, yeah, we should have just trimmed that down. Like, there's value in all of it to me. Because, mm -hmm. like, the way I look at it is, is what this rebellion of Uma that we get this chapter with them becoming ghosts and popping out and all this other stuff. When you look at, it's like everything about the Uma Spring arc and the Battle of Spring Mm -hmm. was building towards that idea like the uma having their own will being forced into it and if you think about like even before that when you had the fight between spoil and uh fire or magma or whatever where mm -hmm. they were like oh concept types are always looking down on other people and blah 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 it's like you got this hierarchy this idea that umas have their own will thoughts and ideas and even mm -hmm. like i'm the king of umas king of the gators blah 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 like these like goals being attached. So it's like, we've been building up towards Umas having their own individuality for a while. And now with them being like trapped and treated like this by Seal, they have a motive to rebel against God by rebelling against Seal in this fashion. Mm -hmm. 
So. And then the same thing, even the the season before spring, was that fall? Was that autumn? Was before spring? It was Randy autumn. Back in his mind, he went back in his mind. And again, the idea of that, 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 that soul and, and, and even says it, he's like, bruh, it took me centuries yeah. to figure out what you figured out in like 10 years, six years of life. <laughs> like you, you've mastered this thing that I have basically been pushed to the brink of debt just to figure out. So again, like you said, it's, it's the full looping. It's the, it's the not trying to pull something over me, even going all the way back to the first um, Uma, again, talking about the difference of the concept types and everything. Like it's, it's all the structure and the sequence is relevant. Um, and the most that you get that may feel like fluff is always contained within a page or two. It's like, yeah, the, the fluff is, Andy really couldn't, like we're watching Andy, like Andy, you really couldn't think of something. You couldn't think of something. You couldn't think of something. But like, it was like, no, like Andy, the personality of Andy is again, has to show itself. Andy does not, Andy truly has lived so long. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to process certain things emotionally. This is something that you see as a reoccurring team with Andy constantly. And you're like, oh man, bro, what do you mean? Like you have someone that you care about that you're trying to save. You have a, a end goal that you're trying to meet. But it's like, for him, it's like, what are you talking about? I've done everything in life, bro. I've been a mafia boss i've been the lead singer of my band i've he's ran a, a bank like you know i've done thing. all the things a like, exactly like you know like i'm on my own hair salon like what do you want from me bro <laughs> and the, one of the things that i liked about this is that it specifically it was andy going back to that like 1865 time period yes. or whatever <laughs> yes and building off of there and having them grow and age and live together and the having a version of Shen that he met at like drinking buddy age and meeting like Chikara and like them like having or having Chikara seems like as his son and then like them bringing him a grandkid, you know. And Fuko dying before him mostly because he just expects to outlive everyone. Right. But still getting the age is but well, he doesn't get he can't age, right? Like well, like so that's so, why so that's the, that's the point. Old. Yeah, that's Part the point. Dream. He he got he got the dream of wanting to live, truly live a life to its end, not just die. Like it's so like we've always seen it as he just wants to die, but he's like, no, no, I want the to ability to die so that I can live a full life, true to its actual fullest, with a family. Like that's the thing, mm -hmm. right? Like he wants the family, he wants the friend. Like I don't want the the connections that I have to slip away over decades of time and have no value over centuries of time and have no value. I really want to cherish these people and these moments and these things. And I just, I really, I, again, I was really appreciative of, like I said, even coming back of to immortality autumn. really takes a toll exactly. on you. And, like, and we've, we've always, even in um quick shout to Rankin of Kings, um, Okon, like, like he, he lost his mind because he couldn't die <laughs> like it, it it's something about having that immortality that that does something to your mind over a period of time at least the concept that we understand that's the way that it's perceived and I think it's true I think if, if anyone had that much time to do as many things as they possibly can um you you eventually reach a point where it's like well what else do you want me to try it's 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 God's way of endless like undoing endless loop mm -hmm. keep all your memories even beyond his undead abilities it's like he's lived multiple multiple lives and he has multiple mm -hmm. personalities it's... which that's the other thing is that i kind of want to know more 
Sorry, I've been taking this easy break. My girl bought me Shake Shack. No, go oh, for it. Yo, oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, Shake Shack. <laughs> <laughs> All I got are oh. like, some morning glories. <laughs> but this, like them being like the final loop, like the next loop would be the final loop. One, it makes me go, okay, we want to get there. But two, we you remember like Juiz was like, I'm giving you these points. And there's like somebody on the moon and and it had been tweeted about. I've seen people talk about this for a while now. Like, ooh, my it is very, the, the sun, like, no, the sun is clearly the source of God. God, God yeah. yeah. They've been alluding to that. Which, like, this chapter basically was like, no, like, period, this is it. They're like, before God makes their arrival, and it's this boom, right here, say it, right over their sun, the, the chest tattoo. Like, it's right here. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, it's, and they only, and, they're, and usher in God, they're, it's the sun that's being shown. So it's very clear that like they're like no god is in the sun and i'm guessing if you are alive when the world like ends on a loop you get to be reincarnated mm-hmm. so i guess that's partially how they're making it through they're just not having memories but now that they'll know how to get them faster and then you remember they talked about julie's working on anti-aging technology and all this other stuff so they get so he has to kill them before the next loop because i'm guessing that the king of negators doesn't come into play until like um they get to that uh point like the 100 challenge just like uma ghost when it was first produced as a reward didn't seem that big of a deal but it's because of that reward that we managed to have this arc and potentially find a way to actually eat uma seal here or whatever you want to call seal regulator seal I would also say, like, you can also use Uma Ghost as a way to fight God in itself. You don't need to use your physical bodies to fight in this sort of way. You can use your own soul, your ghost self, because we know your negator abilities work through your soul and your ghost, that sort of stuff. And, like, that should be a pretty good way to, like, fight something that's further distance or, like, in another plane, another world kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And how I'm seeing Unruin, he, he... they're calling him the king of negators because he, he has to be the one to level up the playing field between the negators and the umas. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole, his entire purpose is to kill humans, uh, negators or not, or anything like that, so that he balance out with the number of umas. Because that's right. what he, he says, like, one side must be judged, which he wants from the humans, and the other is to be enhanced, which is yep. the umas. And what Andy was doing this entire time in the beginning by killing Umas left and right, even though it's destroying like rules of the world, it's actually mm-hmm. benefiting the humans in a sort of way. It's just mm-hmm. they don't see it yet because I'm seeing, I guess it's like, well, Unruin is trying to balance out the humans and Uma, or at least have the Umas go up top below the humans. So that way God will reward the Umas and he'll punish the humans. Mm-hmm. Well, it is the other way around that kind of like, loses like the balance loses the change of way there'll be more negators or they're just like re- negators are rewarded and the umas are like punished i'll also yeah. point out that like one of the things we saw happen in real time is like when andy killed the uma for thirst uh, like lucy immediately lost the ability to like die of dehydration or anything like that mm-hmm. so it's like everybody who like is in danger of dying from dehydration because the world is getting closer to the sun is no longer in danger of that. Mm-hmm. They can still die from heat and all that other stuff, but if those other rule Uma were to be killed, then 
in theory, every single rule would have been removed and therefore it would be harder for them to kill or take on anybody else, including the rule of death. Yeah, so the rules, the, if, you, if you think of the rules of being as being limits or even we'll, we'll use uh, Rock Lee from Naruto, if you think of them as being gates, Basically, every time a, a key rule disappears, as soon as we as we perpetually perpetually get closer to the sun, right? Perpetually getting air quotes closer to God, right? <clears throat> um, now we understand that 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 again, ghost leaving ghost's rule enhanced and basically enhanced, um, you know, on health or whatever. Um, uh, kind of like you pointed out, dehydration being gone okay, well, you can't die from dehydration, okay, if we, if we get rid of, you know, some other rule that would potentially get rid of a clause that would, that could put you closer to, de to death's door, again, you're kind of, you're unlocking greater potential for the humans, essentially, every time one of the rules disappear, which is the unbalance that we're kind of talking about here, and then ultimately, I think um, the king, the king of negators, like I said earlier, is just, it's just like, it's a function, right? So it's a function to kind of put in checks and balances for that half, where it's like you rule over these people, you rule over these entities or creatures. So I think both have to have that have to have their place. The antagonist's side is trying to restore balance, right? So I think um, we talked about JJK Zero, we were talking about like the whole love versus justice thing, where it's like one of these isn't innately a bad thing. I don't think that the premise of our current antagonist world outside of God, right? I don't think the premise is terrible. Everyone wants there to be a certain level of balance currently. The current antagonist is like, there needs to be balance. And mm -hmm. I am here to enforce the balance. That is the pure role that I have. And on the other side, the humans are like, well, I don't want to die. I want to live. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm going to try my best to live. You know what I mean? So. Um, I'd actually like to, uh, like how like if you were to fully gone to grips within your own negation because when unhealthy was established we thought that I mean her negator must have been like the worst power ever to even come about mm -hmm. but then I guess it's like how she was capable of using it herself unknowing when it came to the whole being her soul being a ghost being a uma ghost and that stuff like that She'd be anywhere else. She can literally put her own unhealthy negation onto, inflict onto another person. Because I don't think it's just going to be limited to seal and like being trapped in this like that. I think it's like she can, as long as she makes contact with the person's soul, they will She's feel a self-targeting compulsory type. So I think mm -hmm. any soul in contact with her soul is stricken with unhealth. All right, and then that's that's not uh, thinking how how far they can take health to death's door <laughs> make so god the unhealthy magnitude, <laughs> the magnitude of health um can can be a thing and if there's another rule that comes into place that literally puts a cap on because again it, it is self-targeting right so like i can only make my health myself but so unhealthy however you aren't bound by the rules or of of healthiness therefore if i make you this healthy you will die that will have an effect on my, me as an unhealthy because that's as far as I can take my power. So there's there's a lot of implications here for the way that power can be um, uh, basically stacked going forward. And I think 
what this also is just a good precedent for is that we now know that none of them have to keep their bodies. Yes. Mm -hmm. They can all on some level fight as ghosts. And so it's a matter of, especially like in the case of Fuko, for example, you could argue that the thing that will allow her to feel affection for God, it will be knowing that while yes, he's done all these terrible things and pose these rules and make them have to go through all this stuff. If it weren't for those adventures, they wouldn't have been able to become as close. She wouldn't have uh, gotten out of her shell. She wouldn't have written the manga, wouldn't have re- met the author of her favorite manga and all this other stuff where it's like utilizing that and like viewing those friendships and relationships as blessings that were not possible to be achieved without God. Because especially when you look at almost every friend that she has that's super close to her, they are only close because of their status as negators. So the very mm-hmm. restrictions in curses that were placed upon them by God are the very reason that she has the best things in her life. Mm-hmm. And if she can use that as a reason for an effect, like to build affection for God and then come into contact with him via in ghost form, what is the unluckiest thing that can happen to, or what's an unlucky thing that can happen to a deity? Like it has to be something that reaches to that level. Everybody mm-hmm. that came into contact with unluck dies, like literally like from a tragic accident and whatnot and sort of way. The other, the other concept here that I think even talking about like this far in is just like, what if for someone that can create, what if the unluck is bounded by your ability to think? So I touch you, I give you unluck. Basically, you now can create whatever unluck you want on yourself. Um, and then in that same light, another avenue for Andy to basically be able to effectively reach the point that he wants to reach in. Again, what if all of these rules, and that's what I was saying last week, you know, the same thing I was saying, Anaki, right? Like, the more we get, the more I feel like we're getting closer to a solution to Andy, like being able to, to die is because you stack all of these things onto each other. And it's like, in, in, a, in a combined collective form, if all of these rules were to be enacted on Andy, then he can age, he can do all of these different things. So again, I think I think you're right, Anike. I think this is just kind of, again, this series doesn't have fluff. It's not trying to make me guess. It is still unique. It is pushing my thoughts on the way I want to conceptualize things, but it's not taking me on a journey to think. It's just like, here, think about this. I'm going to keep moving forward, but you keep thinking about this thing while we move forward. What I also like is that it does, what it really is is like it's like a seamless story because it isn't so much that like for example when Uma Galaxy gets added and then all the stars pop up mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people put a lot of thought into oh yeah there's just the moon and the sun in the sky all the way back in like chapter six when you meet Gina mm-hmm. like I don't yeah. think people we're like, just, I think we assume that it was just the nature of the art style of the series. Kind yeah, of thing. like, like I, I really like I, I feel like I noticed it, but I was like, why? Again, you're 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 a mangaka. You're already giving me all these other details. What emphasis do you need to put on the stars? But it was like, no, there was actually relevance in you not seeing it at that yeah. point in time. And so it was like, no, literally, Uma's galaxy is added. Now there's stars in the sky, and it's like, huh? Right. Wait. So there wasn't stars this time. What do you what are you saying? So it's <laughs> like, are we oh. talking about? So literally, the only thing that existed in this world before Uma Galaxy was the Earth we saw and the sun in the sky and the moon in the sky. Just the Earth, sun, and moon. That was it. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to call it right now as we transition. This is going to be my final point on this. 
I wouldn't be surprised if we have a chapter called Big Bang in the near future. I mean, they kept right. they kept the, the they kept the bomb Muma still alive, and I, I forgot the other one. It was like some kind of rock and smoke. They're gonna be like, and what's interesting is none of these Umas like work together well. They're they keep keep being their own separate entities. Mm-hmm. Unless otherwise, where you negotiate or you just talk to them and whatnot, they start working well together. I don't think the negators do either. The the human tendency, however, and the being the air quotes weaker of the bunch, you know, that pack mentality, you know, they always say the weaker have to gather together. So the Umas have always been so strong individually that they've never had to worry about that concept. But now mm-hmm. they're kind of basically learning from the humans, essentially, of like, oh, well, I can do it this way and, you know, we can work together in X, 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 Y, and Z. So I think that's what, that's kind of what that is, uh, at least my take on it. What's funny about this also is that the impact this is going to have on SEAL is kind of fascinating because we don't know what the full scale of Unruin's abilities are going to be. And since all these ghosts are like popping out, one, we don't know if they're going to be able to actually make, you know, enact violence upon Unruin. But mm-hmm. two, which we could be getting into soul damage and stuff like that being added into the series. So that's a thing. But the idea that they might have to, like, when they leave Seal, Seal might lose all their abilities, which in turn means, like, what are they going to be doing? Like, are they going to be able to destroy Seal from the inside out or outside that in um, like however you want to describe it or it could be a protection what if they never what if they never leave seal seal's body is now this like you know this really powerful thing that just ends up protecting their physical bodies but now they can astral project out of seal so they can use their astral bodies to again like you said enact harm from from that perspective so there's definitely again there's a lot of propensity for um new stakes to be placed <laughs> and even a new rule possibly to come about be- because of it and uma ghost basically has to show <clears throat> up to this battlefield most likely which means we have the option to save Uko finally from a violent force her having to be there because mm-hmm. they're not going to kill ghost so there it's going to have to be something else that allows them to get Uko back mm-hmm. and it seems like seal is like always a new person that always underestimates everybody because they feel like they're more superior like it's like those people who have like i've been blessed with god he gave me this power and i do to serve instead of like thinking for themselves having their own thoughts and different ways to using their own powers and stuff like that when it comes to seal yeah i get to use your powers if i absorb you and that sort of stuff too but yeah seal seal's perspective is that of like I have, a feels... I have a mission and I'm just going to do my mission. Like you guys aren't fulfilling the role that you were given. I'm just going to fulfill the role that I was given. But like you said, it, it leads no way for imagination. It needs no way for like growth in, in the perspective of what SEAL could possibly be. And that's because so. SEAL is, I think the advantage that we're in the difference that we're seeing between Unruin and SEAL is that Unruin one seems to be a vampire slash human 
but he's been a continuous loop like he's been around living for a very long time yeah it seems and, like he's been here a while and god has on. given him the title of king of negators and the, the powers of regulation which mm-hmm. like the, the i guess the negator side to like yo kill off some humans so that we could bring back the balance of it in that sort of way and seal mm-hmm. is the uma uh balance of the other side for god in that sort of way too to like right. help elevate the the balance between the world for the yeah, sun they're, they're they're both sealing effectively right the the king of negators is sealing away the human side and the seal is effectively sealing away the uma side to create yeah because he of sealed away fuko by having uma ghost take her spirit and then like exactly. run it off with her so, and like it seems like he can't seal the negate the negation powers but he can kill off humans and just have these powers go into someone else who might not even have any control with it and that yeah. sort of stuff so uh his mission's good i mean like he's very built up and a great antagonist for the story mm-hmm. and like we know like he's probably not going to be the final boss of this entire story of this of it all because i feel like even like he's just said so quote king of it but i mean they could be fossils they could get taken over that's that's what I'm thinking is that having these two close together, I could see a ruin like consuming Uma Seal, mm-hmm. and then the merging of those two beings basically summoning God early. Mm-hmm. So that's the balance of it both, yeah, I could definitely see it having both of a Uma and like a negation power. What does that have? What does that contribute? Because at that point, you were both negating and creating rules. So what's the difference mm-hmm. between you and God? Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, because even Seal says itself, like, you negators are just beings that can, like, just, like, negate rules in these passes and such sort of stuff. And now it's just, yeah. What what does that make you kind of God? Like, all you could do is negate them. So where do you get off? Yeah. It's just makes them a different kind of demigod different rules yeah essentially a different kind of demigod um so but yeah uh even even in that concept you know the, the idea of um gods coming down and empowering their champions and stuff like that um or empowering their vassals the vassals and stuff like that there's a very it's, it's not it's not uncommon um so I, I i would like to see that honestly if that's the direction that we head in i would like to see that actually conceptualized from the author's unique perspective and take on it but that would be a direction that i'd be a big fan of i think i'm good with uh undead unlocked you guys i do think we covered most of it all right cool i don't really have anything else to say so yeah uh same so let's go straight into uh jujitsu kaisen chapter 180 hey so we kind of talked about this a little before we started the stream you took the asshole <laughs> yes because so one of the main things that we were kind of talking about is how yuta does not intend to be an asshole however by nature of his skill power etc he is still an asshole like for example and, and even when you look at the way this section of him in the culling game started He's like listing off like all these rules and he's like, yeah, but I'm gonna kill all these hoes. I'm gonna rack up at least 80 bodies. 
then I'm gonna go kill Kenjaku too. It's gonna be sad for these niggas and Gojo <laughs> is gonna have to deal with this. That's my nigga, and I refuse to let my nigga down. That's my friend. And it's like, oh, you too. Yeah, you really said you was gonna like look out for your friend, and then it's like, wait, he's such a you? manly man. He just said he was gonna he just kill he's eighty gonna, bodies. He just like, said he's gonna kill eighty people. <laughs> what? Oh, he no. said y'all. Y'all said something about negotiating and winning points, and that's cute or whatever, but I could just take the points. I could just have the points myself. Like, he was like, I'm gonna just go whoop a bunch of niggas' ass. That's it. I'm gonna go whoop a bunch of ass. I'm out. Like, that was his mindset going into this colony. And, like, even when you look here, where it's like, Utah was originally gonna do this, but, and he's like, just this once, let's have a giant laser blast battle. Like what? Man had he didn't need to do that for him. And like this guy, I thought he was just a teenager who just suddenly developed a cursed sorcerer. But no, you find out that he was a four hundred year old like uh, cursed sorcerer that was in the Cullen Games because of Kenjaku, mm-hmm. and he's just isn't. You kind of see that his entire point of being of making a contract with Kenjaku was so that he fights more. He, he think, almost think, had the I same. He almost had the same mentality as Sukuna, where like I just wanted to fight more people. I just wanted to show up. I want to find a worthy opponent besides like Sukuna. Of course, he's you're not meeting up, gonna fight. But you know, there's gonna be other contenders. There's also gonna be other players. There's also maybe other fights that I can take this in. And he never found his like full course meal of a fight because he he uses like um imagery or of like a full course like you have appetizer you got the main course mm-hmm. yeah, you got the drinks like, and everything he's talking about how he never had any dessert throughout most of the, the battle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then when he met with utah like okay domain expansion all right nice um yeah. nice he appetizer did. and then you have rika with the whole copying abilities like okay you have a main course and now like what's left i think i think he I really like this the way this this part of the story was told um, because again, like you're both saying, it's this idea of like, well, I haven't had my fill. I've done so, and, and he says it like I've done so much in life. I've done everything. I've really truly right. done everything. This I just couldn't even... get. I just couldn't get that dessert off. I couldn't like. I, I I never got the dessert that needed to come with me living this full life. And I think Anaki was kind of talking about this um, last week, if I'm not mistaken, you were kind of alluding to the idea of like the thing that these older spirits are missing out on. And this, mm-hmm. this character really exemplifies that. that Gage described him like, even though he's probably never going to find a meaning in fighting, his gaze had melted Yuta's like heart. I was like, all right, that kind of plays so well because Yuta is all about the whole love and the curse love. and everything. <laughs> and think about Ishigori though, is that he mentioned like he lived successfully, he had a family and everything. The same, but, the same idea again of like I, I've lived this life to this point, you know, I did what I was supposed to, kind of thing. But the thing that he never really got to do was find the maximum potential of his sorcerer ability. He's like Dr. Jackal from the Get Backers, if you know what the Get Backers is. Okay, okay, okay. Mm. Not a Get Backers reference. <laughs> yeah, <buddy. laughs> okay. I got 15 volumes right over there. <laughs> and what? You tell the asshole just so happily to give it. All right, I'll give it to him. I'll give him some love. Give him what he wants. Yeah, he's like, 
Because if you think when he was talking about Uro, even though he was like, look, don't you have friends? Don't you have a lover? Come on. Like, you're not bitchless, are you? Like, you're not bitchless. <laughs> <laughs> you get hoes at least, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Oh, that Papa too, and you you would think, right? <laughs> and he still editor edit all of that. <laughs> and he was still like, "Yeah, I'm gonna whoop that ass." As soon as she had even like an inkling of an opening, dog was like, "Bop," got her arm bit off, all kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, be blasted the cockroach and her arm off and stuff like that. It's just like, no, like you guys get the fuck out of my way. You're not supposed to be in this course. It's just supposed to be one-on-one between me and you took that sort of stuff too. And, and that's what we were talking about last week um, of like the, that point of like, yeah, like he, this this orchestrated itself. We got so caught up in the idea of this being a big group fight. And it's like, no, he really wants a one-on-one fight and you get the one-on-one fight, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think it's interesting that ultimately the dude with the most simple technique is the one who, uh, got the the final one-on-one battle because like you have all this high tech stuff like high tech isn't like high skill with mm-hmm. uh euros technique where you got to like grab the sky manipulate it and angle and all kinds of stuff like that but the dude that just goes pow pow you're dead is the one who makes it to the end because when you when it's see hero kill hero you just shoot so his simplistic mindset ended up carrying him through like stayed on guard and was just ready to aim and fire whenever necessary mm-hmm. i'm also really interested in how Utah's copy uh curse technique works does it like does he need to eat some kind of blood or flesh and that's sort of for rika to copy it because like yeah, the moment like the arm fly off contact it. rika has to have contact seems to be the premise of it because like he, he did he use the cockroaches curse technique or abilities doesn't that mean that rika had to make contact with it then i don't mm-hmm. think he used the cockroach's ability but i might be tripping i um, I, I don't remember i don't, I don't recall did. which but i think i think at least from what we've seen so far the premise is rika has to make contact there is probably some time period that hasn't been fully disclosed to us you know from the point of contact um but I, I I think that is that is at least the initial premise is that Rika has to make contact. I, it seems that way. It could just be the way it's been presented because so they did far, they did off screen the uh the old man from like when Yuta's arc started where like Yuta killed him first and like he was somehow able to use his ability against her because like we saw Yuta's copy uh, ability to use against her and use it against the cockroach. In that sort of way and now mm-hmm. he's using in um her abilities against um uh a pompa dude dude he's literally Utah's literally the middleman where like all right i kill you use your ability use that ability to use that person's mm-hmm. weakness use that person's weakness go your weakness and that is Wait. straight asshole move <laughs> you guys are all in the four-way lock no problem let me jump right in do all this shit gather all Wait. my bias and points Everything you were worried about, I'll make it come true. Like, because like, and that's even part of why Ishigori took out Yura right away, is that it was like, okay, uh, she's actually a threat. So, which I'm kind of hoping that Ishigori isn't dead yet, because I would like for him to give Yuta his points. Just like how, just like currently, 
the only like Megumi achieved his goal by getting all of Reggie's points. And I can't remember mm-hmm. how many Reggie had, but he had enough. He had like what he had like 30, 40, and he was like, All right, before I die, I'll give you my points. Mm-hmm. Out of respect and last will kind of thing. Because the sorcerer is just a con artist. Because every sorcerer feels like, yo, every sorcerer has like a bad ending coming to them, and I can't wait to see what yours was, so yo, to speak. That, yeah. that maniacal look when he said that, though, he was like, I can't wait to see your horrible ending, essentially. I mean, last <laughs> words, remember, like, like sorcerer's last words are the most, like, like, over your head where you're going to be thinking about these last words overhead and there's going to there's going to be consequences for each and every single one of them because each of them invokes more of your motivation to keep fighting to keep going as a cursed sorcerer in that sort of way um this might be interesting like how many bodies that you try to get through for cursed sorcerers that left last words to him and this is going to be one of the sorcerers that actually like thank you for the like the last meal thank you for that last fight I enjoyed it, even though it was my own weapon that was used against me that killed me. <laughs> That's what made him enjoy it the most, I think, is that he was like, because what it comes down to is like, if you remember, they were like, Yuta is, what, the big thing about Yuta is that he has more cursed energy than Satsuro Gojo. Mm-hmm. And do you remember what they said about Ishigori? That he can keep using it with the same output and the same eye energy. And he had like the highest amount of cursed energy of any participant. Mm-hmm. which means that Ishigori's first energy values were even higher than Gojo's and his. Mm-hmm. He just had like a super simple technique. And so it's kind of like the only thing he could, the thing, the last thing he was missing was somebody whose power, somebody whose energy was like close to his own. And so he fought against Yusa, somebody who had really high curse energy values and stuff like that. But then also got to experience a blast of his own power level. The final thing that he was missing, something that was, like, was, was comparable to what he was doing, which it's interesting to note that like, we haven't heard anything about any descendants of Ishigori, but and his cursed technique popping back up. Mm-hmm. You know, he had right? right, right, so. right. Yet, 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 yet. It's still, it's still a potential. But I think that is a relevant point, especially because we know that the, Jiu- the Jutsu Sorcerers have done a good job of keeping track of lineage of people who have any type of connection to that world. So it, it's very interesting. Definitely something I also paid attention to. I'm like, hmm, so does that mean that we might have somebody currently that has that? Um, but again, it, I mean, like it could just be something, you know, these are the funny little quirks that like, let's say there was a JJK spinoff later on and, and that protagonist had that ability. It'd be like a callback to that moment type of thing. So you never know where that's going to pop up. And I love that. I love that for JJK. Yeah, Ishigori does definitely have that kind of curse, almost exceeded curse energy because one punch on Rika, and like her manifestation just broke up, even though like there was a five minute limit. He just punched her once and like, Done. Yeah, that was that was well, crazy. What, okay, wait. So one of the things that I want to point out though is that if you remember, there were like five minutes. The connection between Rika and Okotsu would end. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, she's got a white body as she goes in for the punch, mm-hmm. and then she goes exclamation mark blackness. Mm-hmm. So then it was just the arms on the head, and that's why they emphasize that like even if she was fully manifested, this would have folded her. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah. she wasn't fully manifested, which I think actually might have saved her. Because like if- Utah said that I couldn't go full energy blast when it came to that, like the last shot duel. I, I think that that was calculated. So that was my understanding. My understanding was that the premise of Yuka being dispelled again with Yuka being a condition for using other the, the copy let's just call it copy be i think had had that been fully dismantled in that moment um the sequence of events that we saw would not have happened and i think even even still <clears throat> yuta was still able to execute a plan that allowed for him to basically utilize the best of what was there he played before, them so well the five minute mark he was already like i only have five minutes anyway so i'm already executing basically like i have no time left um and i think that's what you end up seeing there as well like because like, like when you look at it it goes like if you look, just look at the combat sequence it's mm-hmm. like uppercut to throw it up and like mm-hmm. you can even see it and then he like pulls the sky a bit and then they then he does that thin icebreaker mm-hmm. yep and then you immediately get the hammer blow down on his mm-hmm. head and then that's when position. He's it's a it position back. lock. It's a position yeah. adjust and lock. Push him right? into that right moment of where the trajectory was going to hit. And, and then, then just then to make sure, in. make sure that you don't do anything. He does the. He, he grab. He hold. He hold on to him, exactly. and usually use all the pressure to like literally ground him on that. Yeah, floor it, that, that was that was that was what I heard was checkmate, bitch. <laughs> that's that's what I heard. Because <laughs> it, it's like when he was encased in cursed energy and landed in front of Yuji, and Yuji was like, yo, what? Same thing right here. He just knuckles down, pulls him, and he thought, he's like, wait, what? He thought that he'd have more hand-to-hand combat to fight, but he thought, it was like, wait, what are you doing? Kind of hold his shirt. I was like, mm-hmm. boom. You're staying right here in this exact same position, and then the whole sparkle, and then boom. Yeah. Literally, but within like millimeters between Yuta's face, and just hit direct hit with it. Right crazy. on top of his head, like he lost just the pop two and everything. Wow. Also, like the the resilience too, like with that punch from the top, like like he didn't really move from that. Like he was hurt. He was a, he was impacted. You know what I mean? But like the sturdiness of of the character's body was unfazed, essentially um yeah, by, no. by that that great of an impact because we know that that was an impact like we we know that was an impact mm-hmm. yeah no like you can see because he's even bleeding from the his forehead when he goes in the uh swing and like punch the rico away mm-hmm. so then all, but never when, lost focus but never lost focus on like i'm about to strike you rico like whatever is going on here like i'm about to rock your sh- and then that's why, like, when you get to the hand-to-hand combat phase, and he's just like up close and personal. Even the fighting stance that, like, Yuta was using is one for like super close hand-to-hand. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, "All right, cool. I put you in this exact spot. I needed you to be in long enough." Wow. And that's why even the the pose at the end with the smile, like we were talking about, is it's like, "Come on, bro. You looking way too smug about this. You ain't have like." It was all one big game after a while for him, then, mm-hmm. just to make sure that he gave that dude what he wanted, had his fun, and then racked up his points. Yeah, and the selfishness of it. He like Utah enjoyed this. Don't yeah. don't 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 take that away from the fact of like we we see a very cold Utah at the beginning of this this portion where it's like I have a mission to do, but there's this satisfaction in the fight of like 
again, Yuta isn't the one that would enjoy a fight, but like this fight, you know, this moment was enjoyed by both parties involved, you know, essentially as it boiled down to the final two entities. So we know, so go for it. Uh, you, you, you remember they were like, he's second only to Satoru Gojo and Strange Ability. Mm-hmm. And they're both special class sorcerers. There's technically three now, only three. Well, uh, my assumption is that some of these guys were special grades. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over time, they've just been fewer numbers, but it never fully established. And the grading system within the uh, Jujutsu Kaisen world is how, how do you classify cur- special curse technique grade one, grade two? <laughs> right. Right. Because yeah. when you get even in like early in the series, like, okay, so this is one of those things that like I love and hate it because I loved in the beginning when Jujutsu Kaisen was like, a fourth grade spirit, you could probably like beat it with a baseball bat. Uh, third grade, you probably need a pistol. Second grade, you need a shotgun. First grade, this would be like you probably need a tank. Uh, special grade, good luck. Maybe maybe a carpet bombing would be enough. Yeah, like I was like, all right, so that's what you're working with. Yeah, it's so, very it's very Yu Yu Hakusho reminiscent. Um, I think I said that last week that this series always gave me a very big nod to Yu Yu Hakusho because I feel like it's that same thing. Like you, you go through most of the series and you have like this idea and then it's like, oh yeah, there's S tier. <laughs> also, mm-hmm. there's like gods of the demon world, uh, you know? So it's like, there's like, you know that there's this upper limit, but even the upper limit has no upper limit kind of thing. And so then when you get to the special grades, but with that time you meet Jogo, they're like, oh yeah, this is a special grade. And like Yuji's like, but he's way stronger than I think I did establish that there's like four special grade curse sorcerers, but there was like 16 other curses, like special grade curses. For curses, it's there's four, third, second, first, and special grade. And then special grade, yeah, is basically all we've been fighting since like chapter 20. Right, but there's been other types. So like there's like you know, the the curse eggs and the other different things like there's other types but they still fall into that same ranking like Anaki kind of mentioned there because like, i remember so, like ghetto says himself yeah there was like four established curse sorcerers during that time in like 2017 of christmas eve oh yeah and there, there was, was like four... 16 other cursors and this is one of them and he's using he brought some kind of a um, Umeno, um, yeah there's like there's these special curses that like i said from the eggs from like whatever like they kind of were... talk about them they said there's three, there were three registered. The, the four, the four, four, the four special brothers, users. the four brothers of the curses, the there's the four brothers, the paintings, and then yeah. there was like three eggs. So there's like, there's these other things that are there also of special grade class, essentially. 16 officially registered special grades with, uh, which I think includes like some of the cursed wounds and the, the other stuff. So like officially registered, but then anything else could show up and be special grade like mahito was not a registered special grade spirit nope. right neither right. was uh i don't even think mahito was Gojo, special grade uh, initial, Haname. Um, and then and then you you got also so even thinking about the rankings um when jugo shows up it's like how many fingers of sakuna do you think i am worthy <laughs> of like like what Seven are you or equivalent <laughs> or you know what are you equivalent to and then it's like, again, again, this premise of not having a proper scaling for the upper tier, right? Because it's like, you're seven, which sounds impressive, but you're no match for Gojo. You're not even close to being a match for Gojo. So, and even Gojo, even Gojo said like, hmm, if Sukuna was in this whole form, I win. It's like, 
even tells you now, like, all right, that might not as be as far fetched as we thought. Yeah, but, you, he wasn't just being cocky at the beginning. He was like, you know, I'm pretty confident I would win. That I fight, am so. the strongest. I am Go. I am like, Gojo Satoru. Oh, are you so took a joke at your strongest? Is that um, Sakuna versus Go Jogo? Do you guys feel like Sakuna was giving Jogo a lot of like leeway that whole fight? A lot of it, yeah. Okay, okay. Because I was going to say, depending on your perspective of that fight, determines how you should feel about Gojo saying he would beat Sukuna. Because if you feel like Jogo was legitimately somewhat putting up a fight using maximum techniques and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think even Sukuna knows. Sukuna knows. That that they can't beat Gojo. I think Sukuna more than anybody understood that, which is why Sukuna's like, I'll I'll back fiddle. Even when I, get, when I get these 20 fingers, I'm gonna come see this this ninja go. He'd he be the first person <laughs> I want to kill. I'll, I'm coming, I'm coming to you as soon as I got all 20 fingers. And like Kenjaku, he even said himself, even if you all work together, you would all like it would be all in vain for you to even fight Gojo. Like all of Han- Haname, Go uh, Jogo. Uh, the squid thing. I, honestly, I'm gonna say they're just lucky that he can't do purple on a small scale, right? Because like, as far as as far as we know, well, because like the way I'm, the reason why I say this is because while they're fighting, he could have just been like, "Oh, as I'm punching you, purple punch," and then just. But I think slap. he doesn't have to. It's not that he can't. I think he just doesn't have a reason to do it yet. It's, it's more of a <laughs> He the reason why I think he can't is because he what didn't want the civilians getting killed. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he would have held back on like utilizing like small red blows and stuff if he could just simply blast them away with like close range. Yeah, no, I don't like, think but he has even, skill. even if it's a small currently is what I'm saying. I don't think yeah. it's impossible for him to have oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah, skill yeah. set. I, I can I can even say like even like a small red. The impact would have been too strong where like the like the impact and residue would, would have been like too yeah but i mean climate. imagine imagine if he did a red use blue to offset it then he can encapsulate everything inside of his domain anyways and control that impact so again we talked about we talked about um that last week like how the domains can can be the scaling of the domains we kind of got that emphasis last week that the scaling of what you want to make your domain is actually controllable. So if he done, if he sequenced all of his max potential of his abilities, it could be possible. It could take a lot, but he has a lot to give to begin with and the ability to regenerate it really quickly. It, it could just be a matter of sequencing. Here's red, here's blue. I do this. This gives you purple again maybe encapsulated into a physical touch there, there is in that moment in that moment only expand your domain to encapsulate let's say three meters you know what i mean yeah and then all of that is contained in time <laughs> in a specific space so it's just like it's i, th- I think there's room for it. i just think that there's that gojo's already broken <laughs> i feel like gojo, like gojo just doesn't want to learn the new abilities and stuff. You have to kind of force him. You have to literally put him in the corner for him to learn by himself. And that's what Toji brought him into. Because when because, like- I mean, He's probably going to come out being able to do a lot of shit after being in that that little solidarity Because even Sukuna knows some stuff that jo- uh, Gojo might not even know about. Because 
we only thought that Sukuna was all about the hack and slashing like curse technique. No, he's able to use fire. He's able to use. He's the king of. He's he the king of everything. curses. He knows he how everything works. Literally the king of curses. I can use anything, any element. He's Gojo. He's Gojo curse form. Mm -hmm. Or maybe Yuta might be a better comparison since Yuta. So Kaki. what's funny is is that I was in a group chat for manga and stuff, and I actually said when Yuta's domain is revealed to be eerily similar to Sukuna's. Just because to me, it would make sense if part of the revelation for behind Sukuna being able to do what he can do is that he had a previous version of copy. And within that version, that's why he ended up being the guy with two faces and four arms and stuff, because his mm -hmm. physical body was like hosting what the Rika body would have been, you know? I already have my 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 suspicions that Yuta is, I mean, that uh, Itadori is also related to Gojo and Yuta. So I'm waiting for that to eventually be revealed. I mean, he's already the villain's baby. Yeah, he we'll is. We'll see what gets revealed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what gets revealed. Like, there's a lot when it comes to JJK lore, and it's all very interesting. It's all well-invested in. Like, Gege knows how to write this. It's th he's taking his break next week. He'll return in two weeks. Yeah, I, um, I, I, has I not failed to impress me after coming back from a break, so I'm happy. Yeah. Um, I could tell, like, you know, it's not a full confirmed kill unless the points are added up in that sort of way. Mm -hmm. We know the Sky Girl is still technically alive, and she knows reverse curse technique. Because her arm got ripped off and you can bring it back with reverse curse technique. It's just that it's going to take a very long time or a very mm -hmm. limitless ability that only maybe Utah knows how to do because of his own like limitless curse technique in that sort of way. But he's pretty worn down himself. I still um, don't think he does that worn down, bro. I ain't going to call you. No cap. <laughs> I mean, his, cop uh, his, his copy uh, curse technique is refilled. I mean, and he, that's how he was uh, able to I use. I don't. I don't think we saw fifty percent of Yuta's powers just now. My stance on Yuta is that, like, because he has so much, he can just constantly, eventually, use reverse curse technique to restock himself. So I feel like now that the fight's over, he'll probably chop it up with Ishigori for a couple more pages. Go uh, check on Euro because it feels like the kind of thing his character would do. But I feel like, like although like, there's so much, like a whole, like unlimited potential in that sort of way i i do understand what each uh, um each other was saying where like there must be some kind of major conditions for this so like when did he like satisfy these conditions like this it can't be always limitless because i don't think gege would ever do that for every character for one character or anything to like no restrictions no drawbacks no like mm -hmm. like there no. needs there needs to be like a condition or limitless abilities of you tell I guess, yourself. I guess the way I look at it is that Gojo's real ability, like the limit of Gojo's ability was that, if you remember, they were like, we would need him to stand in one place for like five minutes. And then it was like, no, it just needs to be five minutes inside of Gojo's brain. It's like, you have to have stuff like that that allows you to exploit his weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Or like how Miguel had like that braid or whatever that was in the whip. And, yeah. Yeah. And lets you uh, negate curse techniques and stuff like that so it's kind of like i can see why you would need it or it would be useful to have um like a restriction on utah but at the same time it kind of feels like 
once you like the whole point of mastering reverse curse technique and all this other stuff is so that you can more or less eventually circumvent any downsides to your curse technique because mm -hmm. if you to figured out how to do the same thing as like gojo does with the reverse curse technique uh keeping himself permanently fresh and stuff like that then i don't see why he would have to have a restriction over time especially because mm -hmm. if he, as he was doing it, it would just build up more and more where while Kenjaku might have said he can't be the next Sakura Gojo, I see no reason why he can't eventually copy other abilities like Gojo <laughs> as he gets stronger and stronger, which would inevitably allow him to be more than the next Gojo. Um, and I would say that him having the same curse technique or same curse technique origin as Sukuna would make a lot of sense if you looked at it as it was like the death of Sukuna, because like the death of Sukuna led to the birth of that curse specifically happy or the thing is to remember remember that gojo's abilities are essentially two abilities so i think the condition clearing for ultimately using like the full propensity of that may be <clears throat> if there's an activation sequence that's necessary that may be why that's a little bit out of um yuta's wheelhouse essentially like you need to have the eyes as well as have the the legacy as well as have the bloodline as well as have the yeah. read. like there's, there's there's actually like multiple conditions to be able to do it the way that Gojo does it comparatively just taking um <clears throat> just taking one of the other uh users powers it's like no there's there's a your technique typically comes with a rule or a certain limit and it's easy to copy that when it's just a single factor like i think Megumi for instance there's another person was like the premise of your ability is shadow therefore that's a little bit easier to enact whereas like you wouldn't be able to copy the full breadth of uh sukuna's powers because it's layered in different tiers almost that i don't necessarily see and that's so one of the things they kind of i think they talked about this is like the limitless is a curse technique that people could use but it wasn't that good without utilizing the six eyes. The six eyes, so, exactly. So much effort. And so when we see Yuta utilizing like the sky, which he picked up during this fight and using it kind of as well or better than she did, considering he managed to just go one, two, three, and she had to do a whole spinny routine and toss it back at Ishigori, which- I say because better because uh, his limitless, like curse tech, uh, curse, limitless curse spirit, I'm not sorry, because limitless curse is in its from Rika and stuff like that, and that's why it's better because there's more power to it, mm -hmm. and it gives well, more flexibilities for it. And, and that's a fair question. I don't know if we I want to go with that only because if she had the ability to loop three full rotations, that's a pretty long turn, and that mm -hmm. would be a longer uh, distance covered by her arms as far as like measuring the circumference of a circle. Yeah, of that at the max wingspan in comparison to like three quick punches, so it, it's more like she had the ability to cover extra space, and we don't see Yusa moving nearly as much sky as we ever saw her move. Like yeah, she did I, and like I said, that's what, and that's why I said like I don't I don't think it's impossible. I just think that it, it it's yeah. the the when there's more to it, there's already you're already not it's not one hundred percent copy. I think for anything. So when there's now extra conditions or extra versions or extra of these abilities that need to be stacked together, 
that's what I'm saying. I feel like that's what makes it more, more a little, a little complicated, or at least a little more complex as far as being able to. I guess I'm not thinking about complicated from an execution standpoint, but complicated from like a bringing up that power. I do think that because of the nature of like the limitless, it would take him like a lot more time to like actually practice and train with it. Because like, let's be real, like the way he uses cursed speech, like he just was like, don't move. And it was like, oh, all right. So he just like slapped on the glove and like kind of covered his mouth a bit so you didn't see what he was doing. And then the next time you see him talking, it's like, well, it's too late now. You, you wouldn't have known that all of a sudden he would be able to be a cursed speech user. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I agree, which again, him having more utilization of Inumaki's powers and Inumaki in the story in a meaningful way is hilarious. Um, but like him actually being able to do that stuff is kind of like suggesting me that he'd be able to get like the principle of it. And then slowly, I think at least he'd be able to figure out blue and red. I don't know if he'd be able to do purple because it would take so much time. But I right. think somebody like you said would definitely be able to do like blue and red. Yes. Whether or not it would be worth it for the cursed energy output, though, that's another question. Yeah, and, and again, I, that's my, I guess that's my big question mark kind of point is like the output. And, and maybe not even because red is powerful, man. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. might get the output, but like the control, we were just talking about that. Like, how do you even control it any better? I think that's like a whole nother question. But yeah, I, again, I, I think Yuta's pretty, I think Yuta's pretty broken as is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, I mean, his next copy ability is going to be this dude with the whole high output of a blast, even though Rika can does the same thing, but to be able to do high output of a blast consecutively, still a pretty yeah. useful uh, curse technique to copy. Yeah, because I mean, like we, we saw, like, again, there's no one like, like, like Anaki pointed out, we know who has the power and the capacity. So even though he may not execute it at that same level of power, he's already doing much more than anybody else doing um, output-wise. So it's still going to be pretty effective copy. And, it, and the part of the reason why I feel like Ishigori ended up with such a high curse energy output is that his technique is ultimately just the release of a bunch of cursed energy, mm-hmm. which also means that his domain is basically you just get lit up but which good luck with that even without like a block because like even without an instant hit condition just having a multi-directional laser constantly firing at you at all times is kind of ridiculous i mean guess what uh, domain expansion is you get to have a whole one have a critical hit within that specific time of how much you're able to keep maintain the domain expansion as long as well then you have people like Megumi who don't have limits like because it's not complete and everything and that well it's not focused on getting a gear excuse me it's not focused on getting a guaranteed hit either though Mm -hmm. like i think megumi realized that that didn't need to be his priority because when your technique is revolves around creating a bunch of chimera and shikigami you could try to reach that level that or focus in a way that dagon did for example where it's just yep my shikigami just appear already ripping your body apart nothing Mm -hmm. you can do about it Right, but <laughs> and it can also from shadows. It just appeared on you, <laughs> like yeah. Whereas, and it could be that because of the fact that they are made from shadows, they can't do that, or they can only appear in shadowy spots on their body, and that's right. why he was like, ah, I don't need to make that rule. 
because you're going to have all kinds of different rules to make sure that it works. And he could have decided just utilizing the shadow garden around me, just having a big domain and having a big area where I'm fighting my opponent, where I don't need to create a pocket dimension, which conserves uh, cursed energy. Because while simultaneously having a bigger playground and being able to pop in and out and turn myself in the shadow and have all as many Shikigami as I need, that's a way bigger reward. Just having the access to repeated Shikigami summons and not having to worry about them breaking is way more of a benefit than I think any guaranteed hit automatically would be because you can kind of yeah. create your own opportunities anyway. And then if he eventually has a, a Shikigami or ability that can store that power, like store curse power similarly, so now it's like, because we already know that he can store items, right? So if he can store energy in that space in some shape or form, right? Again, I think that I keep, I keep really enjoying the idea that domain expansion can probably be utilized in other ways. Now, what if he has a concentrated amount of energy over some period of time, right? And then he does a domain expansion, but it's contained to a weapon. And now he has a sword of shadow that is a, a conglomeration of the powers of the Shikigami without the, the downside of like, if it breaks, they won't, they won't disappear because they're already in the shadow, but also whatever extra stored curse energy is, is like from my external source even is inside of the sword. You know what I mean? So I feel I mean, like there's like, just, just there's other cool weapons are imbued happen. by its user, Joe. So yeah, I could definitely see that. Right. That's, so what if he what if he's able to imbue it from other people's curse energy? Now I think I think the and again you see how how Sukuna's super interested in this power. I think uh, we're still like underestimating the depth of what that that ability is. <clears throat> like that's why Toji named him um, Megumi Blessings. Yep. Whatever blessings. That he comes up with, he's technically <clears throat> the supposed heir of the Zenin clan, but you know, he I, I'm guessing Is like about he, he, keeps, <clears throat> he keeps the Fishikuri name, but he steals the uh Zenin abilities of the shadows and shit and just like hey, call it a day. Like that's I definitely um I could definitely see that happening, but we still don't have an idea of what Tsukuma's reasoning to keep Megumi for this long. Because he had this first intention of wanting to kill him, wanting to see that his own potential and his own, he technically gave him like, you know, if you use your imagination a little bit, you could have won that fight. Mm -hmm. I guess like everybody that's been like, that Megumi fought or has, or like with Tsukuna and has been trained from with Gojo. They always tell him to enhance your imagination. You could go so far with your cursed abilities and that sort of thing. Yeah, they're they're always like, man, you you got a lot of potential. You're not utilizing. Like, like stop being a stop being a straight man. Stop being so like a stickler for everything to the rules. Like you can go above and beyond these rules. You could probably break them if you need to. And like, yeah, because the, there the, there was like Megumi's will. Is like he's too limited and he's too willing to throw his life away. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't like, he's not like, I got to live no matter what. He doesn't have like a romanticized view on life. And if you think back to even, because uh, like I'm like looking back through the previous killing game stuff and I was looking at the Megumi fight and I'm at the part where he's just like, oh, you disgust me when he's like disgusted by the girl because it's like, 
he's very rigid in how he like views things and even if you or go even further back to like when he whooped those kids ass in middle school and he was sitting on a pile of beat up kids and then they were like why did you do that he's like you have to ask us proof you deserve it that you deserve it I'm like what <laughs> if i don't know why i got my ass whooped that's proof i deserve to have my ass whooped you're pathetic <laughs> you <laughs> peasants you peasants <laughs> I mean, his only reason, his motivation was so that he can give the people, give the people, the good people an equal amount of chance of life and that sort of thing. And I can respect it. And even though his motivation for the Cullen game is to save his sister, like he views her as a good person. He feels like she needs to be saved equal, equal chance of living and everything like that. And whoever's like, abusing their powers, abusing the curse technique, abusing everything in life. They just need to be beat up and punished and or needed to be killed. Because at least Megumi knows like he, if he has to kill, he'll kill. Mm -hmm. like, Even well, and that's like, like I said, I'm looking back at Megumi fight and how that dude pulled up and was like, yeah, I'm going to fight. And then Megumi immediately pulls up on him knocks him out the window and just stabs him in the head like beats his face in and stabs him in the head like yep now you're dead cool um and it's like he didn't even hesitate he just puts the dude down within like two to three pages and that's after finding out it was like the thing that was even scarier about it is like it was after the rule was added that you can exchange points mm -hmm. it's like specifically that dude shows up they're like new rule added you can exchange points and Megumi's like and just murks the dude anyway. That's like, cute. <laughs> I feel like he had to do that right away so that the enemies doesn't exchange their point to make a new rule in that, sort of, in that position. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just that, like, Reggie's like, damn, what a waste of points. Like, instantly, like, oh, I recognize what we could have done there. Yep. That's why, like, Megumi had to act quickly. Yeah, you need to die. Mm -hmm. Like, also, remembering that the comedian exists in that power and he has never killed that's <laughs> he has not killed a single person well because his whole thing is about jokes so it kind of mm -hmm. makes sense that like the punchline isn't going to be someone's everlasting death it's going to be them barely surviving usually right like you could have just said like all right since this whole point exchange i could have just gave you a point and you survive another 19 more days like and the the one thing that is kind of unfortunate is that they aren't going to be able to get rid of that rule about man. Like they can get rid of the mandatory killing aspect of acquiring points, but that means people still have to find each other and exchange points. But then you only need to change like one point each. Yeah, you could you can do one point. And I think I think losing still, a point changes that still it. Right? Top, that still doesn't stop. Um, in order for you to get some amount of points greater than your point value, you would need to still then kill. Some people are going to have to get killed in the process, yeah. is the way I see it anyways. But then by that, by that time, you have 19 days to think of a way to get them out and breaking rules. Right. And... I mean, the next, the next rule is essentially to circumvent that to an extent. But I think by, by letting people out, you increase the propensity to fight because you get rid of the people who don't want to be there. But now there's more there's more stock, right, in the people who are present. Mm -hmm. 
what's what's horrible, I guess, sucks want, is that even if you get out from there, giving out your points. So like you would have to forfeit your points to leave, kind of. I don't know. It's it's no, you no, you forfeit, you lose your curse. Tech, you lose their cursed yeah. powers and you die basically yeah, is what's yeah established. They, that's what i'm saying the rule the rule to circumvent all of that is going to be very interesting how they end up wording that i think i think the the most they're going to have to do is like make it where players have to achieve x number of points or do this so that they can escape without losing curse technique it's going to have to be something like that that's kind of like the only way i can see it functioning they have to come up with something like to really make it it'd be nice I mean, if, if, someone, it was, if it was that simple i think utah would need to drop 80 people <laughs> well that's that what i'm saying like it's gonna have to be something that like <laughs> this is gonna have to be like three that's why like i'm saying something but it's probably gonna be something things yeah because like Utah just wanted to establish a communication with all the other colonies. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a rule that is helpful-ish is made from someone that isn't even directly connected to them in a whole other colony. Because I could also see them adding something like um, all the colonies are now connected directly. And so then it's like they all exist as one colony. So yeah, even if they don't exist together, you're gonna have that well, one travel, big bad travel between that. travel between colonies. Like there'd be a point that you can travel between any colony. That would be that. Would that be was that one of Utah's ties. rules that you should. That's to. exactly why I said it. That would be that would be one of those things that would basically tie all of the the spaces together. So now if, if Utah can just again go in and slaughter everyone in every single colony, <laughs> that'll just I mean, make everything easier. Now that he's got like like he already had the ability to just release curse energy i'm sure mm -hmm. but being able to just pull up with ishigori's ability and just air out places is gonna definitely make it you know some an issue coming in with that kaiju that that godzilla blast he just bought to re-grand zero everywhere <laughs> That making every that would make everything easier if Utah like wasn't as like the bloodthirsty because he was the only one that didn't want to kill civilians. Everybody, everybody else that had no choice but killing civilians. It's just they were in his circle. They're in a way, especially the cockroach and stuff like that. Like they got within his area, and all the people that was in the area died, and he gained the points from there. It's 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 all very interesting to see how. JJK is going to keep going with this. Especially when we don't know for sure which characters are like, for example, Nobara could be dead. Nobara could not be dead. Right. They made it very vague because even like Megumi was like when U Yuji asked Megumi like, so what about Nobara? And like Megumi just gave him like a whole depressing face. Where I'm like, oh, yeah. I see. Okay. So for me, it's like, it's only a matter of time before we have to get like a final answer on that. But then if all of this stuff is happening on the same day, I think the next thing we have to see is what's going on with Deftari. Because I think almost everything we're watching, reading in the Cullen Games right now is happening on the same day. 
Yes. We also plan, haven't seen Maki. So we also haven't seen Maki. So if there is some time offset, um, they might have, the clan might have some special something and maybe like Nobu's all over there receiving some type of special treatment or healing or something. Or, or even some special training with Maki, this, this, you know, this current Maki. So there's some stuff that can be going on behind the scenes. If there's like, I'm just thinking that there may be like a couple day overlaps certain places. I think by the time we get out of like where we are right now, at least several days would have passed um, between each of the colleges. Which I'm good with that. Though mm -hmm. so I do hope we don't get any more like bonus flashbacks the conversations that we didn't actually see didn't happen see. with with what's his face because like to, uh, kenjaku yeah no not like kenjaku um the tree dude mm -hmm. tengen tengen because you remember it's like we see them pull up in tengen's room and they have this conversation but then later on we get a flashback to them having a conversation with tengen that we never saw on information screen. that we never got initially yeah yeah I feel like that's like, gonna happen at least one more time. And I'm like, dude, that that's not how that works. If you show us the whole conversation, like why write it like you showed us the whole conversation? Like that that still irritates me a little. Yeah, no. I mean, we we I, I try not to be irritated because I know that it was when it was initially written, I had that thought already. I was like, ah, you're not really showing us everything here was already the premise that I kind yeah. of felt in in seeing that portion. But what I'm going to say is that was one of the first times that we came from that and we got a big break from Gege and came back swinging. And I, yeah. think, I think the premise of like, hey, let me get to a point and take a break and then continue on. I think I, I am just, I'm okay with that right now. If, if we're going to keep being very intentional, I think Gege is being very intentional about the way that they want to try to tell the story. And I did feel like coming back off of that initial like big break that it was just like, ah, oh, man, the pacing feels weird and like it's like you're trying to re-grab your footing almost like you know hate to say it like you didn't think beyond this point initially but like now that we see like oh no there's been thoughts it's just that it was probably just like a little hard turn to kind of make that transition in the direction of the calling games and now we're here you know what i mean so i'm again i have i have a lot of confidence in gay gay right now um they're they're proving themselves uh very much so as we go through very I guess we're we're in the same arc, but we'll situation to situation inside of the arc. And it's like there's still like a lot more that he can do. He also left some pieces off the chessboard, and that and it wasn't just for Gojo either. It was also for get uh, Kenjaku as well, because mm -hmm. you have these every other chapters. You see Kenjaku; he was in China negotiating with China's emissary about I'm gonna say with the cursed sorcerers and more cursed technique in that sort of way. Because he he himself, or either Geto or Kenjago says himself, like Japan is the main source of where every where the most strongest, the more cursed sorcerer technique, cursed sorcerers and powers are established within Japan. Everywhere else, it's different. Everybody who can establish negative energy, uh, negative thoughts and emotion, that's how the establishment of these cursed energy comes out of. So any places within the countryside or like in the midlands and that stuff that where it's not too much that's happening it's not going to develop as strong as cursed sorcerers and mage magics now i'm wondering what when he went to china wouldn't would that mean like china itself didn't have as much negative emotions or curse technique where 
it's well like it's like separated or more like divided each other with more sorcerers and their own fans uh, i wonder i also think like you gotta think about size you know um i think you kind of mentioned earlier about like japan being an archipelago versus like mm-hmm. this big larger space of land kind of spread kind of thing um you know as far as you know that was when we talked about kaiju number able but just yeah. the fact that like the the, the sizing um, and the concentration or even maybe the pockets of concentration where things are is, is a little bit different based off of the layout. Uh, yeah, because I remember uh, Gege have done a little bit of information of how other no-name countries deal with like her sorcerers. Like they treat them as like witches or warlock and they torture them, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Like mm-hmm. like the two two girls that were sor- her sorcerers like get to save, and, but he had to kill the entire village and stuff like that. Yeah, because they don't like it's not a normal thing. Yeah. So they just assume that they're like wherever there's a person who is a poor sorcerer who's and there's a curse that that person is the source of the curse instead of that person's ability manifesting kind of being more akin to like a symptom of there being curses in the area. Mm-hmm. Like that's uh that's about what I think is kind of happening is that like I think that curses form and then people develop curse techniques yeah and then as people utilize curse techniques and become mages and stuff like that then it creates more fear of like what the supernatural things they combat are like which leads to stronger curses thus the gojo cycle thing where they're like Gojo being born seemed to increase the amount of special grades and all these other stuff. So right. Again, uh, even not box to undead unlock, there's these balances that have to happen in these worlds a lot of the time. And I think again, that's kind of the, the thing. Even Yuta, more so than even Gojo existing, the fact that Yuta exists in a time that Gojo also exists, and then Itadori and Sukuna <laughs> existing as Kenjaku well. Kenjaku had something planned for all of this just to happen exactly. all at the same time. So like I, I think I think there's that. I think also like as as the world obviously grows, you expect there to be higher chances of occurrences of certain things. So I think there's a lot of a lot of strategic and calculated things happening here. Um and uh, yeah, again, like I said, I trust Gege. I trust Gege. Um I trust Gege the way I trust Oda. I'm gonna say it like that with confidence on my chest. <laughs> I trust Gege the way I trust Oda at this point. I think we sound pretty good for JJK. Yes, good. Yeah, I was trying yeah. to. Yeah, we were trying to. I feel like we were trying to create some time for Vash to get here, but yeah, I don't think he's able to come in. <laughs> yeah, I tried to. I tried Unless to you guys want to talk Black Clover real quick, and then. Maybe he'll be able to just like pull over and park and all I can really say is that I feel like Black Clover is in. I I feel like that's the direction we're going. Um like he's done. Tabata's sales are starting to go down. And while that's not the end of the world, I do think it can be a little discouraging. Uh it's been hard on his health. Like I said, we had a chapter that was just nine pages. It kind of seems like for his own health he might want to maybe switch into a role where maybe he puts out some supplementary black clover novels in the future and maybe cover some future stories or something like that and those can get adapted into anime or something like that but i i think 
I don't know if this weekly manga thing is for him, and the demons feel like the final antagonist anyway. Yes, I, I think I think we I think you I think you just put it the way I feel. Some light novels, something where he doesn't have to worry about the the, the drawing as much. I think is that's a big factor. Just give us the story. You have the art style. You have people that that studied under you and stuff. So later on, if if we wanted to bring back something amazing but it, it, it's it's an end i needed to end um like i was telling you guys earlier i needed to just go ahead and end. i feel like trying to i don't want them i don't want him to get in his his pride um and, and let that block the blessing of what black clover has been it's been a beautiful journey we're here things are starting to get redundant i'm not gonna lie things are, are unique but the, the redundancy factor is starting to grow and grow a little bit more um, and I think we, you know, we establish a good point for, for where Yuno is, we've established a good point where Asta is, the world is in this certain place, um, it might be a little bit like, um, like Naruto, like maybe right before we get to having, uh, Yuno or Asta be the Wizard King, you know, Yami may have to step up for a period of time and be the Wizard King as just like an interstitial kind of like thing. And even even maybe just like a placeholder until there's like an official decision made. I see these type of things, but I don't need that to be 50 chapters. Yeah. I don't and need that to be 50 chapters in any kind of stretch of the way. There's parts of this chapter, like especially like when you look at today's chapter, you look at like page nine, where as Asta is like dodging and slashing, it generally, genuinely does kind of look like Yami is the one who's fighting here. Mm-hmm. And even with the sword, the, you saw that sword grip and the backhand mm -hmm. and, and just everything about it. Like, again, I, I'm also I'm also wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to say this. Wouldn't be surprised. A different but refreshing touch. Asta doesn't make it out of this fight. Asta has to seal Lucifer in some kind of way, which takes mm -hmm. him away from having to be physically present in this realm. And Asta is is regarded as this guardian. They'll build statues and all of these different things for him but he's not able to exist in that realm anymore. I think that's a possibility. And then I think your, your take as well, I'm going to let you give your take, but I think your take about the, the two brothers. Oh yeah. With, those brothers. Like, Cause uh, the way I look at it is like you mentioned, like you did mention like having uh, like somebody like Yami in the interim, or um, I could see it being Noel Silva though. It, it'd be nice if it was Yami just because it would kind of, show that shift past the prejudice a bit more mm -hmm. within the Clover Kingdom, especially since Yami would have been somebody who was willing to sacrifice so much for them to get to this point while being rejected as a foreigner, and then have Asta get that intelligence that he needs to become Wizard King while having, you know, flesh out uh, his role both as an agent and ally of the Clover Kingdom, but also with, to deal with his birthright as like the actual heir apparent of the spade kingdom where you could actually see like a unification of the kingdoms where you have the uh diamond kingdom we know that what's his name succeeded in administering that drug or whatever to the king so that they're fixing a lot of their issues the heart kingdom is already an ally of the clover kingdom so now you just need like the spade and clover to unite and then the most we're going to get is we could go to you know a foreign invasion arc where we have to deal with like maybe them fighting Yami's people, but that seems like such a strange turn. Yeah. And yeah. just like any incorporation of the dwarves because we've gone up to demons feels like 
a step down in villainy. Yeah, in, like, I, I scale. Just, so it's I, such I, a I big know. bad. It's such a current. The current big bad is such a big bad that it just doesn't make any sense. Again, a a, a spinoff series continuation. Um, you know, flash forward twenty years with a little over. You know, take your time. You can really. I'm I'm okay if we get a couple more overs on the side, like you know how we've seen um the Promised Neverland and Demon Slayer do. Like I'm mm-hmm. okay. Give me give me a little. Ooh, six months passed. I wasn't expecting a chapter. Here's a little over about some some more story about Yami's kingdom. Maybe Yami goes and he's an emissary between, and they're trying to expand relationships. Whatever. Um, maybe Noel is um the advisor parent to 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 the person. Any of the captains really can step up and be that other advisor um, to the wizard king. So I can see any of them, um, you know, uh, kind of stepping into that. I can even see Yami stepping down from being a captain. Mm-hmm. So there's so much directions. And I get it. There's so much that you want to write about. I just don't. I, I think you finish the story where you are. You put a close on it. You give us. I think we've gotten answers. I don't think there's too many loose ends right now, realistically, as far as the main plot line is concerned. And you tie that up, you know, um, I, you know, maybe maybe there isn't a wizard king again. Maybe there's some type of de- democracy system, and the, the knights collectively work to do. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But the point of where we are, Asta and Yuno's journey, them being the protagonist and Deuteronomist of the story, closing that and saying, hey, this is what it takes. And even just some parting words on, on what it means to change, because there's an undertone of the world and the way that we view things in the world that needs to be addressed here. I think Attack on Titans kind of um, uh, deals with and, and is dealing with that same wrestling of like, hey, there's a, actually a, a big point that I'm actually trying to pull out here, right? You know, there's actually like an overarching theme that I'm trying to present to you. And I think that I think that we just need to see that wrap up. Um, 20 chapters. I know that they haven't announced it, but I would say 20 chapters is what Black Clover needs right now. Um, 20 chapters, wrap up the fight, maybe one more big final, maybe one more big, big final something, something fight-wise just to give us whatever, but I think we've got no, it. No, not the seven deadly sins as... treatment. <laughs> Not the seven deadly not the seven deadly sins. Yeah, I just I, I just don't want I don't want that. I don't want that. But 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 maybe maybe 20 chapters, and I think 20 chapters is even pushing it. I think, but you you kind of just it's it's chapters. No more of the action. You see people each of the kingdoms and see the state of the, the main kingdoms, you know, who's healed from what and, and kind of go from there. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, usually not, Shueisha doesn't usually give you like 20 more chapters just to finish. They're probably like- Well, I, I said 20, I said 20 just cause it's, I think there's like a transition. I think there's some more action type of scenes. I think there's like like the gates of, of the world. There's, there's more chaos and there's maybe like 10 chapters of that, some type of conclusion and then just whatever. So maybe not even 20, maybe 15 chapters, maybe. Um, I mean, I, I would say like Shueisha would, would allow 15 to 20 chapters just so mm-hmm. that you squeeze whatever's left of Black Clover. Mm-hmm. And then like, because then they're going to eventually have to bring the anime back, back to, right. to recap to finish this entire thing. But I mean, like after, like after its movie, because it is getting its movie. 
but I can definitely see that. Like usually a series a series ends way before the anime would like I get two, three more years afterwards until like it finished the entire series and like Attack on Titan being milk for another part within the series for another I, year. I would like I would like Black Clover to get the same Black Clover treatment again. I would like them to just get their episodes. I would really prefer that we don't get Attack on Titan final season parts one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I would really like um because we because we know that there's not much left to the story. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. give us just give us the episodes, give it to us. Don't give us a cur, just give it us. Give us the however many episodes that it's gonna take, and then just keep kept keep pushing that out. Um, as long as there's resources there for that, I would like that for them. Um, I think I've really appreciated the way that Black Clover has been released. Um, and I would like to see that back again. I think that's what kept people engaged. I think that's what allowed people to get in it after the fact. Um, so I would love to see that for them. I hope that I hope that they do. Um, I get. I hope that they get the finish that they deserve. I think Black Clover has earned its place in in where it is currently, and I hope that they get the all the love that they deserve. Um, in its final kind of hurrah to the end. All right. Um, unfortunately, Vash could not make it within two-hour time that we have and to get into One Piece. So um, I guess we could just go straight into One Piece at this moment. So, Ken, do you want to start? The nine- uh, yeah, yeah, Sam, have you been reading before I even start? I am sorry, where, I have not where, been. Where, 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 where have you picked up chapter one? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I stopped for a good year, year and a half. Let oh. Wano build up. And then I can continue this, reading you, it. You're, you're in Wano. I've done that with that. But you know, so, Twitter or Twitter has a good job <clears throat> of, like, spoiling everything, keeping me up of what is stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like, so, it's funny. We were talking about this in a space just last night about, like, in a way, <laughs> in a way, One Piece is kind of like the current, this, this current era is Dragon Ball Z. And I, I see that with how testy the fans kind of get at times with certain things. They're yes. just so quick to snap. They're, they, they're coming a little like regressive. Like this is the superior series kind of thing. And it's, it's interesting because on, a, on its good days, the One Piece community is really good about not spoiling things. But then the moment something like really groundbreaking happens like a couple of weeks ago, now it's like, one piece is trending because everyone has to talk about it. Everyone just feels like, oh my God, I have to share this. I have to show this off. And then mm-hmm. One Piece also has that same level of hate. So it's like the people who hate One Piece have to talk about how much they hate One Piece because all the people who like One Piece are it's One Piece has become a lot more infamous over the years, honestly. Um, so I really do get that perspective of like it sucks. Things kind of do get spoiled a lot, um, unfortunately, a lot more than I would care for it to be spoiled. Um, while I think the uh, Attack on Titans community is a little bit toxic in its own right, they've done a really great job for the past two years of not spoiling the stuff that's been happening over the this final season part. So, Especially with Toei had their own hack and they're not yeah, able to push out the episodes. Uh, okay, hack, I'm gonna be real with you. I have completely given up on dodging one piece spoilers. Ooh. It is so much work. It is. It is. Especially Boy, if you if you use has- Twitter in a regular capacity at all. It would be the most like filtered words in your Twitter to avoid like spoilers like, and stuff like that. 
that, yeah. that's like one of the few upsides to like my hero not being as popular anymore that i like i used to have to mute like during the war arc i had to mute like 40 words every week Oof, Damn. just to guarantee that i would not get spoiled and like with one piece it would be like i'd have to do the same thing except it would be like i could mute those words on sunday unmute or it's like i would be able to unmute those words sunday and then i'd have to just turn around and mute them right back up by like tuesday wednesday and then leave those muted all the way until sunday so it's like i'd be putting in mutes on the word luffy on zoro on sanji on gear on awakening on all these things for six to five or six days a week and it's just like it, i'm like it's not worth it especially because i'm like on decent terms with some other content creators that are also like one piece channels and stuff like that mm-hmm. so of course the their interactions and people who interact around them end up on my timeline anyway it's just i'm just like i'll just let myself be spoiled on one piece i still get to enjoy it um but yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was... I, i've been reading i've definitely been reading the the early scans for like the past three four weeks because i i I specifically didn't want to be spoiled about where we are right now. I think probably after the next two chapters, I'll probably go back to just waiting for my Sunday release. So I'm not double reading one piece, but I, again, I I get it. I I, I truly get it. Like if I don't see spoilers, cool. If I do, all right, I'm just not. Yeah. It's just too much. I mean, I mean, literally 11, whatever, whenever it drops, just, you ain't. I'm, I can tell sometimes they ain't even finished reading the chapter. They were just like screenshot posts. I'm like, like yo, can, can you just relax? Like you didn't even need to put the like. You could have just said words. Like why did you need to put a whole entire page on the on Twitter? One Piece 1045 was trending like last Monday, like like on Monday. Yeah, it was like Tuesday night, Tuesday morning, or Monday like, night, dude. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. thought I was tripping, bro. Like I went looking, I was like, did, did we get an early release? Did somebody really scan this? It was like, no, like people were talking. It was like snapshots on it. And it was like, I don't care. Or people are talking about their theories. And I was like, I don't care about your theory. <laughs> Can you show me the chapter? Like, what are you talking about? You guys have also, been talking for like five days straight. Anybody who posts just a page and is like, broaden. I hate you. You're a bad person. You should feel bad because like the amount of times that like, because I used to have, like when I was doing those My Hero mutes, I even would mute the words like bro and like raw, what? dope, awesome. What? Because that, they would, that's all they would post. Bro. Because like people, yeah. And then a scan. <laughs> like, like somebody would be like, bro, crazy. And then it's just a page. So like you have nothing to like take you out of you to see bro crazy. Boom, I think there's like bots. Then those people have to be like bots or something. Like, like that. it, it, that's what killing is like actual humans tweeting like robots. Mm. And then you'll see they have like three hundred likes, and you're like, dog. Try 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 to um, try to filter this out. It's like what two hundred O's and that's how I would feel. Yeah, that's how I would feel about it. Like it'd be like, man, it's like. Y'all didn't use any of the hashtags. You got it like, bro, this crazy. It's because the fo- like, following side is just promoting it or they're paying for the promotion of it. Like, yeah, it's like, bro, you're so clout hungry that instead of just actually having commentary or keeping this to a group chat or anything else like that, 
and they have the chats. That's the worst part. <laughs> they have the chats. Like so they have the chats. clubhouses. They have the Twitter spaces. They have the Twitter communities. They have discords. But yet they still want to go out of their way, out of their way, out of their way to go and make a tweet publicly with images. And that's like I said, like I said, we was talking about it in the space last night, and I, I couldn't help but agree with the person um, when they said it. It was um, Moody Senpai. I couldn't help but agree. It was like definitely feeling like the Dragon Ball Z of this current. Like y'all just don't have any type of class. You just nobody can't beat Goku. Nobody is better than One Piece. Y'all are the y'all are in the same <laughs> cut from the same clot at this point. You know what I mean? Oh, Stab, no, slavishing no. emojis into their tweets now. You yeah, try to try to filter out emojis and shit. Too. Bro, yeah, like what, you, what is that? A monkey with a balloon? With God damn it! It's a One Piece spoiler. <laughs> Bro, wait, I, I, I guess it's kind of wild because it's and this. Oh, I hate talking about it because it sounds very much old man yells at cloud, but it's like, <laughs> look. I turned 29 this year. And when I was like 16, like a lot of times, like people were like, spoiler alert. Like there was like this idea, this courtesy, like you try. And I feel like we fast forwarded 10 years now and people who have like always been on social media haven't stepped into it as a sphere of like, this is another place, so to speak, that I'm interacting as a human. And thus, need to pay attention to courtesy. They just like look at it as this is a place where my thoughts go. Yeah, I can just dot, I can thought dump. Like, I'm sorry, this isn't your notes on your phone. This is right. a public so like, forum. So it's like this, it, it's transition, like social media is kind of transitioned for, and it's because of people being kind of raised on, like, this is the real consequences of like having technology raise their kids, is that a lot of them are like terminally online. It's also and, worse where we're in a generation now where people want wants that popularity. They want the clout. They want to be the whole right by by any means necessary is the cool. bad part. It's it's, it it's a like by any means necessary because it doesn't matter if you aren't popular in real life, which that's kind of cool. Like you don't have to be the coolest kid in the club, like in the classroom anymore, to be like some form of successful. Because at the end of the day, if you build up an online internet brand you can still you can probably leverage that just as much or more from marketing purposes and branding purposes like those people who get like a viral tweet every like couple days and end up selling vibrators under their tweet you know it's, it's like they can do that and they're yep. doing it because they generate so much traction that inevitably somebody people do click on these products that are linked in those and people do actually make some purchases here and there mm -hmm. so it's like purely like the clout demon. Just, you just got to get that next hit, that dopamine off from the, the likes on your screen. You need it. And so that's where we are with like One, one piece. piece spoilers. That makes it like scary because like we see One Piece, like, like we still see One Piece in five years from now. The 10 years from now, another 10 more years. Where, oh, like, well, and that's the thing is that every One Piece fan should know spoiling the One Piece is bad. I guarantee you, thousands to millions of people will be spoiled on the reveal of the One Piece. Oh yeah. So, so there's two. While we're talking about, we're not even in the the the, the One Piece portion. But while we're talking about just community stuff, there's there's two other things. One minor, one major thing that I I kind of I'm annoyed with at times. 
And the other thing is, if you're gonna show something cool, right? Everything is in one piece. If you're gonna show something cool on the internet, I, I shouldn't have to be asking for the source, man. I guess <laughs> I get so irritated by that. Oh man, this such is such a great series. Check it out. What's the series? <laughs> like again, like in this information age and stuff, it's like it's just weird the way that we choose to to communicate with, about like certain things. And I guess like the other thing that's like a, I guess like a slight point of irritation is just like, so you have these series, you have these spaces, you have these content creators. And again, it's just, I guess, going back to that idea of like, I'll do anything for a like, even if it's toxic, like even mm -hmm. if it's, it's just the worst possible thing, it doesn't matter because if you give this, a thousand likes or whatever the case may be a million likes like i got the attention i needed from it to to funnel whatever moment or instant gratification that that is received from that and it just it just sucks it sucks that we don't have enough care in ourselves to just be like again i want everyone to like anime i want you to like the animes that you like i want you to share the animes that you like i want to you know someone just tagged us and was like yo you should read this and i'm gonna read it just I got tagged with blue box I appreciate yeah. you suggesting that because i literally just scrolled up with blue box i was like why haven't i checked this out yet so now that you've put in that out to me i'm literally gonna go take an effort to read a couple pages of that later today that's what i want from the community that's i, I always say that i feel like the anime community should be this really beautiful place where we share and we unite under the common factor of anime, but also the diversity of anime because anime isn't just shonen, anime isn't just <clears throat> a one trick pony. I really genuinely feel like anime and manga, there's a niche for everyone. There's a story to be told for everyone. And if that story isn't being told, then you have the room to tell that, to that story yourself. You know, as such, you can tell for yourself if yours doesn't exist other perspective and I just feel like our community I don't know if it's you know some people try to blame it as an age thing it's like oh the younger generation came in but I was like no a lot of the gatekeeping and toxic stuff that I see is often oh. from the guys that are our age 20 in their late 20s early 30s like yeah. so who wants toxic. other people who wants other people to face the same kind of trauma so, yeah so the gatekeeping <laughs> is like in our generation and the weird spoiler stuff is like that's the younger people because they've just been used to being online yeah, but right. the weirdo gatekeeping mindset, the super elitism that comes off of like, especially because, okay, I'm trying to figure out a nice way to say this. A lot of people. Sorry, go for it. I was going to say with like the people who feel like in our age who have are triggered by what a younger generation have said onto Twitter. And then they just want to feel like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to speak on behalf of every other people within my age within this group and like, of social media but no you no you don't you're just speaking for yourself and then that caused a whole entire gatekeeping of hate into all of the stuff and where he's it's coming like, from was probably not like the worst thing mm -hmm. like but at the same time like that's like strictly your own opinion and you just making this gatekeeping keeping away from the new younger generation from more establishing exploring more of your favorite kind of content or anything that you want to go into but you're restricting him from it. What kills me is I remember it was, it was a couple even years ago where I like had this whole like there was like this whole thing where there people were like 
I stand by a gatekeeping anime. We need to keep these people out. And they had done a whole thread and it led to like the gatekeeping discussion arc of any Twitter where everybody was kind of actually like talking about like how absurd these things are. And I remember like different people like arguing with me about it. And I'm like, no, you're not that special. You don't own this. It, it's not like the fact that just sitting down and watching TV without the analysis or you know, like if you're just empty consuming something, it's not really a hobby. It's just a distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of people, or it's like people watch certain seinen or read certain seinen and then they decide that they're automatically smarter than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then while simultaneously highlighting they don't understand what a seinen and a shonen is, like the amount of people who like are like seinen are just better. Attack on Titan is a seinen and it's like, no, it isn't. It, it's literally ran in a shonen magazine. It's a shonen manga. It doesn't matter if it has lots of killing in it. And this, and like, what it really lets you know is that a lot of people just like see gore, or like see like more visceral. Yeah, like, oh, there's a there's a darker theme here, so it's it's more mature, and because right. it's more mature, that makes it consenting. It's like that's not <laughs> that's not how that works. These these and, titles actually have very simple breakdowns to them. Yeah, and it's like the very simple breakdown of them are basically age brackets. Therefore, you can you know again, kaiju number eight being a, a good example. Why is Kaiju 8 not ascending? Because the world that it revolves around, the, the main point of what it revolves around is a shonen, is, is shonen. It's, it's, yeah. it's, young, it's young boys. It's, it's motivating young guys to be, you know, ambitious, blah, 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 blah. And, I, I, and like I said, I get it. For people who have been watching anime for years and they start to get like desensitized to that type of stuff, then it's like, yeah, <laughs> you're probably tired of seeing the same tropes over and over again. So that's when people start to, you know, divert their attention to other different genres. But it's like, again, you don't have to wait for that. Like you can, you can just check out other stuff, guys. Like it's okay yeah. to like something that isn't Dragon Ball Z, constant fighting, blah, 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 blah. It's okay to check out something that's a little against your palate because sometimes, um, like we were talking about earlier, <clears throat> I didn't, you know, I didn't like Jojo for a long time. But, you know, because my peers and stuff are talking about JoJo, people that I respect are talking about JoJo. I was like, man, I keep trying to give it a chance. And then I finally, like, I got into it. And I was like, I really actually do appreciate and like this series. Like, there is a lot going for this series here. Um, for, for me, who's like, you know, I like the art. I like the fashion. I like all these other different things that go into it. And you start to see other things to like in a series. So then when you watch something that's outside of your, maybe your natural real house as a genre, then you're like, oh, wow, this series isn't about powers and whatever, whatever, but like the color and the artwork, the pacing and the storytelling, all of these other different factors start to become more relevant to you. And then it's just like, I guess also to that, like, I wish people would get more educated about this thing that you like, like, you know, look up, oh, what, a flat, look up what a flat character is, bro. Like, you don't have to become a writer, but like... <clears throat> You see spaces and these people talking about these different. Look up what a protagonist is, bro. Look, look like up, people, look up, okay. look up what the antagonist actually is. Like it's it's not just a villain. Like look up what these things are. Like learn a little bit, dude. It, it, okay, so I love One Piece. You remember we were all sitting here in our law hats and straw hats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But one of the things that drives me up a wall is that you'll see One Piece fans be like, One Piece is mature. It has themes. Its themes are slavery, war, and it's like that—that's not how that works. A theme is not just an idea. A theme is a message. It's like a thesis. It's like the 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 the, the whole point. 
of the story and like what it's trying to tell you. So like One Piece's theme is not war and slavery. It's that like being enslaved is the, like it's like the antithesis of the nature of the story, which is that freedom is a man's greatest treasure mm -hmm. and like that kind of stuff where it's like, this isn't, and like if it were a theme of the story of like slavery were specifically the thing, the thing being commented on instead of freedom, Luffy would be a character who is a lot more conscientious and it's a lot more focused on the liberation of the slaves throughout the entirety of the story. Right. And then, and then on, in addition to that, your freedom, your journey to freedom isn't something that you should be living alone. And the, the yeah. idea of a nakama then comes into place. And the idea that also on that same tone of like, it doesn't just have to be your blood that's important to who you make as a family. You can go out and journey and, and find freedom in life by journeying with other people who also are on a path to finding their own, their own specific freedom. Again, when you break these concepts down, the concepts here are things, but then, you know, like a couple of weeks ago when the chapter released and everyone was like, oh man, it's so cartoony. I was like, what, what have you been watching? <laughs> I'm sorry, have you not been watching One Piece with me for a thousand plus chapters? When has he not presented this as being the most looniest cartoon? The main protagonist is a rubber guy. <laughs> like, this man blows air into his arm to make a balloon exactly. arm. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, oh, it's, it's too, it's not, now it's, it's suddenly too cartoony. Like, what are you talking about? It's a comic, it's an anime, it's a manga. They're all, they're all cartoony things, guys. They're not even targeted at 31-year-olds to begin with, like, you know, Again, I'm not saying that to, to thing. Again, I'm gonna watch anime forever. I'm gonna play Pokemon forever because I enjoy it. Um, it does bring me back certain senses of nostalgia, but I'm not so displaced that I'm just not understanding that I am not the intended audience for the thing that I am reading. And and that's the thing with One Piece, which is that, it, like, it's very clear that Oda has always said he wants to draw the dreams of boys and children more than he's like, than like, I wanna draw the dreams of boys and children while also honoring and making it a point to feed and keep happy adults. Like, mm -hmm. he's, if anything, he's like, if you want to watch this and you need to keep in touch with your childhood in order to properly enjoy it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it is anyway. Like, it, it, it's fair. He's like, hey, it's like, to a certain degree, like, if you think about it, Luffy being like 19 years old, 18, 19, 17, having these adventures makes him having this wacky cartoony power even more appropriate. Because like, when's the last, like, as you get older, some of the more goofy early cartoon gags you kind of forget about or don't think about as much, especially if you've been consuming anime. But like, let, let's dive into this chapter just like a little bit. And mm -hmm. like when Kaido hits Luffy from the top, one, for a, a chapter to chapter comparison, we've been like this is kind of like the thrill of art phase of post time skip where whatever is coming after this is about to be hard, fast, and an upping of the stakes to the nth degree, mm -hmm. which is why I think Reverie was placed where it was because it was kind of like how we got that stuff like after Alabasta, show on a say, or around was it Long Green, Long Island, where Ace versus Blackbeard happens, and then we exactly. like, cut away to some other stuff and then come back to that way later, where that's kind of like what I see Reverie and the SSG and all this other stuff as. It's like, all right, we're cutting away from all that, though, and now we're going to do Thriller Bark and some other stuff, and when we right. come back, it'll be time for the Straw Hats to really get engaged with the main plot the of only, the outside world. 
I think the only difference with that is that the pieces are closer together. Yeah. Like before it was like things are happening on the other side of the grand line. And it's like, no, like the 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 rev the rev, the the army is over here, the marines over here, this other sector of the marine is over here, CP9 is on the island, mm-hmm. like everything's actually really close. And like you said, the stakes are just gonna they're gonna rapidly like stack on top of each other and 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 bring everything to center around this moment. And that's already happening. Um, I think, like I said before, I think I think Wano ends up being that place. Wano is the place, and even if everything doesn't um, stay in Wano, Wano is, I think, ultimately the place that you get back to because this idea of freedom again, the idea is the most present in Wano than anywhere else that we've seen in the story to this point. And that that's why. That's part of why I was bringing up the Thrill of Bark stuff, because like if you think back to like how he's been going, like one, we, we got the Nightmare Luke parallels, but if you remember the Black Fox scene where he's mm-hmm. placed inside the Black Fox and Moria punches him and that's what splits the island in half. Right. Except we have like that culmination where he goes to do that to Luffy here and Luffy bends the ground around him and uses it to bounce up and trampoline. Right, but this idea of like that freedom, and that's when Kaido himself comments on the freedom you're talking about, where he's like, <clears throat> he's coded in hockey, he's in manipulating the environment, his body is doing all this other stuff. This is he's straight up freestyling and like this whole battle, mm-hmm. like he's just kind of <clears throat> making it and, up. And as this he is goes. this is from the guy whose greatest power that we've seen has been from him being drunk and inebriated, and then not to freedom that liquor being what gave Kaido the freedom to use his powers the way that he was using his powers, except there is no trigger to this. There is no catalyst to this for Mm -hmm. Luffy. This is just his natural being, being this level of free. And you see that Kaido is, Kaido's mentality is actually crumbling around this. He's impressed, but he's also kind of a little, um, Disheartened isn't necessarily the word I want to use, but he's he's a little bit uh he's a little bit kind of like wait like you can really do this you can get this level of freedom just because like why haven't I been it because remember Kaido thinks he's that guy yeah Kaido, you know, Kaido, Kaido, Kaido he's thinks Boy. he's Joy Boy <clears throat> and it, it was when he was tossing Luffy off that he straight up you know he's like so you couldn't be Joy Boy either where it's like we're at a point where he has started to or at least, or really has given up on actually being Joy Boy. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't change the fact that that was in his cards, in his mind, that he had that potential. And so now you've got this happening and he's, it's kind of reminding me of like Shigaraki versus Redestro a little, where like, because you know, you, you even got him naming his devil fruit Smiles because Kaido is the one like trying to bring the smiles to the, the world, smiles, like, just like Joy yeah, Boy. The, the joy. And, and so it very much reminds me of like the Destro, Redestro versus Shigaraki, where now Shigaraki, in this case, Luffy is like stepping up like, nah, bro, I don't really care about any of the stuff you're talking about or your dreams. Right. I've got my own take on freedom and I'm right. going to put that on the world. That was wild. We just compared Shigaraki to Luffy and it was actually 100% accurate. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easy to forget that like, one, the League of Villains are written more like are written more like shonen protagonist groups than class when they are, mm-hmm. which I think is something that's like kind of easy to like miss. But then like 
ultimately inverse like Luffy is canonically a villain this is also true like this yes very true he's a pirate yeah forgetting that <laughs> like yes pirate. he does some good things but he's incidentally whooped a lot of ass that were just people doing their job mm-hmm. casually so and it's the, the best example of that is the impel down where dude just freed like almost all the most world's most dangerous prisoners just to get a chance at getting out of the prison to go save eight. Like that is what a villain would do. Yeah, I'll create an entire prison riot to save one prisoner. Come come yes. So but when you okay so one of the things though that i will say is that just circling back to this chapter is that luffy's fruit is 100 the fruit that people want to replicate uh like the zone fruits like the the dragon fruit must have been the closest he got to making like nika and he might must have considered it a failure mm-hmm. because it, either because it didn't have its own will because I think that's the real key that they're chasing here. That's, I think that's why the fruit's a failure. It doesn't have its own will. Right. And I think that's why you see the split, right, with the results of what the fruit can do as well. I think that's or, also a testament to that where, you know, it fails, but, you you know, now you're, you're indisposed to just constantly laughing. Because, again, there's this, this personality detachment from what the thing is again these fruits have a will of their own right these these entities these powers whatever in regards to them and that's more so seen when you have again like like kaido alludes to like this is more semblance of you being a zoan type you know what i mean like this is what i would expect this level of freedom even is what i would expect from this class of the fruit yeah and what they're what they're kind of seeing here is that you could argue that all the failed smiles are partially are would be successes but you what we could have is there's legitimately only one true devil fruit can be active at a time and so you could argue that all those failed smiles that just make people laugh are actually hito hito nomi smiles and so they'd be like human fruit zones and that's part of why they just end up laughing all the time yeah Again, a certain a certain type of liberation, right? And you yeah. having to laugh essentially, and being free from. So it's like those ones end up being hito hito no mizoin that are downgraded versions or attempts of the nika fruit. So it's like that they're technically the closest and the furthest from what they need. So the smiles that produce like the gorilla out your back are actually bigger failures than the ones that just turn you into a pleasure. But because of the result of those fruits, you know, giving you an animal or whatever, something that you can actually fight with, it still works as a more successful one as far as all practicality. Right. I think another another thing that is, um, so I know a lot of people had, especially with Fire Force, uh, Soul Eater, the caricature of like different things in the world. I, I noticed that there was a lot more resemblance of that in this chapter for Luffy. Mm-hmm. 
I also want to point out, I really appreciate it because we don't, we don't often get this, but Kaido gives us the coloring of what we're seeing. Uh, a lot of times, unless there's a color page, you're kind of left to kind of guess at what we expect the color to be because it's like, oh, he's, he's glowing of some sort, but we didn't know it was definitively white. Um, <clears throat> and I think there's also a, like a, a kind of a, a, a sense of um, a storytelling element in the decision to make that white. And the fact that hockey in its form that we know it to be is black. Um, I think all of this has a lot of significance. And like I said, it's just, you know, I, I said this earlier that I trust Gege the way I trust Oda. I really trust Oda to deliver this story. Um, I don't think anyone has, has written a story with a level of empathy, the level of care, and the level of precision that Oda has been writing um, One Piece with. And we've seen him, you know, refine himself in as he continues to tell this story. You know, I, I, I at least I feel that way. Anakin, I don't know, I don't know if you would agree, but I feel like we've watched Oda evolve and refine the way that he is telling this story to to bring out the best of not only the characters that he's grown. I'm sure sure to love himself, but also just the world that he has created. So I think that Oda has done a really good job of exploring the world and fleshing it out. I think sometimes he loses himself a little bit, just does, only only in the sense that like sometimes his humor, like 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 the Kenny Mon running around farting thing, it might have kind of made sense because Law wasn't the one that put him back together. You probably should have had Kaido slash him at least instead of stabbing him to make it a bit more believable. Mm-hmm. And in general, like the fart gag, I was just like, all right, bro, this is not the time for fart jokes, but. At that same time, it's him trying to maintain that joy through the mm-hmm. story and always trying to have something like funny. So what ends up happening is that just sometimes the theme of the story is met. It just doesn't execute that well, but it's a dedication to his themes that I can still respect it. And like even when you look at something as goofy as this, where you have him like becoming like a free flowing cartoon character, that both makes it be like ridiculous and add like humor to his fight sure but it also kind of plays into the mystery and like the general good character design and attention to detail that we've come to appreciate with some of the more uh, other stuff that Oda's done like for example Luffy having the white hair having the steam that we've been seeing since year two and finally having that be like the completed bow and like the fact that that steam bow was always there when he was in year four kind of mm-hmm. letting us know that that's always been like more to do with the sun god and letting mm-hmm. something that's kind of always been planned out and I'm, and I'm here for that kind of stuff so it's like right. even if you don't enjoy the more comedic aspect you can kind of enjoy the fact that like even when you look at when Kaido talks about like this freedom is more associated with zones it's kind of like Luffy replicating the points and thinking of where it's arguable Luffy would have had access to a full giant form from the moment he discovered a gear three, he just needed to figure out how to distribute the air through his body properly. Mm-hmm. But he didn't think of it to that potential. And now that he's like seeing it that way, well, he's like, yeah, my whole body can inflate things. Right. And I can maintain my proportions. And stuff yeah, like I don't that. think he's even thinking about some of this stuff, which is why, again, that freedom of like, it's it's whatever is possible. And I think we, I think uh, we kind of touched on it. I guess we kind of touched on that idea last week. Um, I was saying, like, I also wanted to see what the kickback was 
from him being in that form mm-hmm. and we got that but we still was like no nope, that's not the end so i really i really did also like that about this chapter because it was like he was drained <laughs> like he got we, all wrinkly he, old man looking. like he he experienced life to its fullest and then we saw a very drained wrinkly void of life almost if you will uh a luffy but i think also the idea of like you know we kind of talked again of this overarching point of like you know what shonen is and the fact that oda is writing this story like for the youth but like for anyone so understanding that child inside of you that you can yeah, kick like start that heart like, back uh, you can kick start that heart back to give you the moment of of freedom and joy that is is, is possible you know and that we all you know you know we all can really do that again it's like we, we have the propensity to to enlist ourselves um and, and to inspire that joy from within ourselves and i think that's a, a, a just i think it's just great and like like you mentioned like that hit that deep scene where he's like Mm-mm. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna keep fighting. And it reminds me, it's like similar to like that year two moment against Luchi where Usopp has to cheer him on. Except mm-hmm. it's more like even without having to worry about it, he's thinking about his comrades that he's gonna be fighting for and remembering that. And that's why I kind of like that as he's getting his heartbeat going again and focusing, you can see the the ink leaving him, so to speak. Like, you know, usually when you see this kind of the all-white cartoon, it's like they get like a little drop placed on them and then their dyes and stuff blood off and then they end up all white. Instead, it's like, it's all building upwards towards his hat, which I guess is another thing that we can talk about, which is Joy Boy's big hat. Do you, because like Luffy's wearing the hat now and in giant form, I'm sure the hat was big too. But my question is, do you think that like when Joy Boy died do you think he was in giant form and like took off that straw hat and that's why there's the big straw hat in marriage walk yeah um i think i think it has something to do like you said the concentration upwards kind of thought mm-hmm. process i think that's i think i think you're um trending in the thought process that i kind of had as well and i think that um i think that there there might even be life still in that hat um we talk about the, the the breadth of life and all of these other different things. Um, there's a lot of talk around life, soul, and like just entity and the way the the strength of the voice and all of these different things in One Piece. And I I, I really have a feeling that um uh, like I said, there, there's something else to be said there. So I think to to short answer, I think yes, I think um, possibly in giant form. I think uh, ultimately the freedom of what that is um <clears throat> is important uh again we, we, a world also where giants are just a casual thing um again we kind of talked about that last week where it's like it's not just giants like there's just regularly stupid large people <laughs> like you know a giant is is huge but there's also just random like 15 and 20 foot people who aren't even giants to begin with so like I, the, the body is just is the the, the not being restrained you know, I keep thinking about that, like the unrestrained, the unbounded kind of thing uh, that that Luffy represents. Which, and when you think about it now, we've seen Gear 3 reverse Luffy's aging so that he became a child temporarily. And now we're seeing Gear 5 make him like an old man. 
gear four took away all of his hockey, gear two is supposed to just cause a bunch of strain and in theory burn off lifespan. But what we're kind of seeing here is that when you have this freedom of existence, all those costs, I don't know if he's actually going to be like paying for them for real long term. And I think to a certain degree with this devil fruit specifically, whether or not it kills you and or not kind of comes down to whether or not you can awaken and then master that awakening. Because I think once you master that awakening, it really is kind of the most ridiculous fruit because the the maintaining the white form is to a certain degree maintaining your most free sale. It's like imagine a permanently awakened Luffy like the Impel Guard. Uh, mm-hmm. and then that means he's at permanent maximum creativity permanent maximum so it's like he becomes a truly like a cartoon character in that sense where he's got like his eternal comp- like his character design now no matter what outfit Luffy's in as soon as he transforms into gear 5 it's all white it's some variation of the shorts the shirt and the sash mm-hmm. and yeah so, and I, I think so someone had someone's comment from from the chat as well like i think the again like we talked about it last week i think there's some drawback period um gear two is the boiling of self almost right mm-hmm. so like this is like this this man's heartbeats is not just so fast but so loud that it can be heard outside of the the body that is encapsulating it even gear three and gear four this man is manipulating his bone structure beyond where it's supposed to be naturally so all of these things have some type of drawback <clears throat> or some type of kickback to them you know what i mean i think there's, there's just something to be said about that period um and i think like we we talked about last week and he's like you, you you get he gets better at it though he gets more efficient at it as he continues to master things so gear two does not I don't imagine Gear 2 taking anywhere near the toll that Gear 2 took to initially activate yeah. now. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, if it was chipping away at his life percentage at like 70% conversion rate, it's like 15% now. And eventually he's going to get to a mastery even with this where it's going to be it's going to be a lot. But the, the the thing is, Joy Boy died before. Um, yeah. Luffy isn't unstoppable. I think that's another thing that's a, a point of like this universe is like no one is is so unstoppable you know Kaido's existed forever but there's always been this sense of like again I guess we keep talking about it the sense of like balance that kind of has to exist in the world kind of thing and so I think there's a role to be played for Joy Boy um I think like I said I think if Joy Boy is a personality I don't think it overtakes Luffy by any type of means I'm talking about like the whole voice thing and like, okay, when he was knocked out, they was like, okay, that's Luffy's voice back and it's fading. I think even though when it was like, okay, Luffy's voice is gone. Like I think Luffy's voice had to literally swallow itself internally. And that's why the presence of the voice being completely gone and him basically being in a state of death. The the series has not shied away from that. Luffy died. (laughs) If we didn't understand that Luffy did in fact die in this fight, um, and, and even again, he says it. Kaido says it. Like, I, I thought you were gone. He's like, bro, I was gone. <laughs> Luffy was like, eh, no, I was, I was definitely gone. Uh, I too thought I was defeated, uh, but I am back here now with all of this freedom and power and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's so, kind of why, when we talk about Zone Fruits having a will of their own, I feel like Nika has to, on some level, exist 
within the fruit like right and i think that has to be part of what finally got him to wake up and so if he's operating while losing his voice it would be kind of nice to this is the perfect opportunity to really expand on zoans now because like we've got the mythical dog with we got the hito hito domi like being a maru model by that fox like we've had at least you know what is that like three four mythical zones in one art it's like you got the, like the momotaro story so now you have peach boy and momo you have the dog you got the pheasant like all the way so all we're really waiting for at this point is basically marco to go to the root and i'm, I'm kind of what what's what's the what, what's the big reveal that because like even gear five feels like Gear 5 doesn't feel like it's supposed to be the big, big reveal yet, which is what's crazy about this. Mm-hmm. There's something else at play here. And we, we talked about that, whether it's a Gear 6 or some type of manipulation of Gear 5, this is nowhere, this is nowhere close to being the final of what this, this entity power form is. There's, just, just, there's no way. And that's, okay, so that was one of the things that I thought was interesting. Is I remember last week I'd asked, like, What's up with his hockey? Is he using it? Is he not using it? Because we're not seeing any black. And then apparently we just don't get to see it anymore because Kaido is saying he's using armament and Supreme King hockey. Mm-hmm. And so that leads me to go, okay, like if Gear 5 is really going to be the final transformation, what else are we going to be seeing out of this? Because, yeah, it's kind of clear that he's playing against the cartoon gag, of course, when he punches through Kaido's face. Just like when he reached out of his eyeballs, but obviously that punch isn't going to be the final part of this battle. Yeah. So I mean, if it was, Luffy would have taken him out by now. And like so, there's there's been enough strikes and hits that like if this power up was the power, the the almightiest of the powers, right? Mm-hmm. It would have taken it would have taken a hit. It, like it would have taken a hit, maybe two, because Kaido's that guy. <laughs> but like it, it wouldn't be a fight at this point if this power was a lock to the extent that it's supposed to be a lock. And one of the things that I do like about this is that when Kaido sees Luffy tired out and gets exasperated, that moment of relaxation lets the pain kind of hit because you see he like drops to his knee and it's like, but it's like we know that that one punch that we see at the end of the chapter because like Luffy gets hit one let's see let's because like when he's doing the jump rope move sure but like most of what Luffy does this chapter is kind of more gaggy than actual damaging because he gets like swallowed and he inflates Kaido up a bunch and then manages to climb out and like yeah okay cool he took some damage inside as Luffy bounced around the pipe system but it's like he goes up and then when Luffy manages to escape and comes down as a giant, since he immediately goes into gum gum jump rope, mm-hmm. outside of the like force of like, whoa, I'm being spun around, it's not like Kaido was taking any damage. So yeah, you get that blast. I, I, think, I think the will, the will's being enacted upon Kaido too with every touch. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and like, so it's like, but then you see like blast breath, and then when Luffy comes back again. Like, you know, doing the Roadrunner thing, like spinning his hand like he's going to hit Kaido, gets his head smacked into the, you know, into the back down through the lie floor. And that's when you get the whole everybody's looking with their eyes popping up thing. 
And then he gets, you know, that's when he's like recharging, pops back up and gets smacked again. So it's like we see him get smacked like three or four times this chapter. And then he lands like maybe one good blow. And that's that punch at the end. So it's kind of like, I feel like we either, like I can't see this next chapter happening and the fight continuing beyond it unless we completely cut away. And that would be really weird to do right now. Yeah. I think I think you end up like there's supposed to be some high stakes after this. I think you end up being a little bit too critical. And then you have to remember CP CP0 is waiting to swoop in. Yeah. Like they're waiting. They're like, it doesn't matter how this fight concludes, they're about to intervene again. We already know that much. Um, yeah. whether there's another force that comes and intervenes on their intervening, that's still to be seen. But like we know for a fact without a doubt that like don't get don't get it twisted don't get caught up don't forget yeah because he smacked that one cp0 but Kaido's exhausted exhausted now he was putting up the strong front from the first fight the first half of their their fight you know so like this is like even if Kaido came out on top like he's not he ain't about to roar no battle cry heavy this is about to hurt um same thing for luffy even if he ends up winning this fight he's not about to just walk around like everything is perfectly fine you know it's, it's going to be something different. Um, we're definitely going to see some actions from Momo um, and, and Yamamoto in the next, you know, we will be seeing some, you know, some, some action again, there's some progress again. Um, <clears throat> and again, you have to, I, I try to pay very good attention to, to the timing and placement of the Straw Hat crew in different chapters. So I already yeah. know something else with a couple of different characters is about to pop up because they haven't been in the chapters for a couple of chapter two or three. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see exactly um, how the, the roles are and the situations play. Um, don't forget that this island is, is floating in a descending manner. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's other things going on here actively. You just reminded me that because Zoro was last seen being saved by Frank. Yep. And Sanji, we we saw him last chapter. We did see him last chapter. Where yes. he just where he woke up and was like Luffy, right? And he was like the and, first and, and the reason the reason that he woke up is is basically the the heartbeat, the voice mm-hmm. again speaking to Sanji's character. And again, we saw Sanji having some deeper powers that he is still trying to sort through. You know that he's still trying to come to terms with. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here with the Straw Hat crew specifically. And so, and that and that's kind of one of the things too that I think is kind of cool is that like this the entire past like twenty chapters, like really since we hit like chapter one thousand ten, the theme has just been awakening, awakening, awakening. Whether it's Sanji awakening his cyborg genetics, Zoro mm-hmm. awakening his conqueror's hockey, because the the main thing that I've seen like a lot of people kind of omit and not fully realized partially because of what toy does mm-hmm. where they like to add these scenes in is that zoro when he cut kaido kaido was like oh you use the color of the supreme king and zoro was like huh <laughs> no i just cut you because i wanted to <laughs> like, like, i really wanted to cut you <laughs> so my thing is is that enema is bringing out the best in zoro because it's like forcing him to like really commit to his hockey and it's like okay cool now he's getting tapping into that you know Mm -hmm. like a conqueror's hockey because one of my theories was that 
And like part of like is that the Ashura thing is literally a manifestation of his conqueror's hockey, like because the image and belief in Santori was so strong that it manifested Ashura, the three-headed mm-hmm. deity to also, you know, and that's part of where like if Sanji's fire, because Sanji's fire has not has been explained to not be the byproduct of genetics, but because of friction or his heat that he can generate with his passion. Mm-hmm. But if you just take that literally, then you could look at like his flames almost as an extension of a type of his hockey. Mm-hmm. And so it could, and we know though that based on the the what's been kind of stated about CP9 and some of the stuff, it kind of seems like they were fighting people who had hockey pre-time skip, and we know they did for sure with an L. For sure, for sure. Where and like with Zoro with cutting through steel with the Shishi Sonson, where you could kind of look at it as for certain moves pre-time skip, the straw hats were using hockey. They just didn't know. Yeah, unconsciously tapping unconsciously it. tapping into hockey. And it's what? kind of explained that way to Luffy when you see his training arc explained that like mm, you you've had access to this. <laughs> you you've been had access to it in different forms. Um <clears throat> it's just triggers to different things, right? Like even yeah. the whole A scene and and him his his hockey like erupting because of that. But the, it was always there, but like uh, like everything, like there's, there's, there's just triggers to different things. <clears throat> and one of the things that is even worth noting is that when Ace unlocked Armament in the novels, he just did it. It wasn't like a thing that he was like, oh, I've learned about hockey. It was like he was fighting someone and in the middle of fighting them, his arm turned black. And, you know, he's like, well, it's helping me fight better, so I'm going to keep trying to do it. Right. So, yeah, the different mentalities definitely play a big role. Any other key points for the chapter, man, that you want to you want to bring up? Um, let's see, because like I feel like this chapter was largely like a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and less like a total dissection. But yeah, no, because like outside of whether or not we expect this fight to be over by like chapter ten fifty, and the way I look at it is. Zunisha is here to save Wano from falling or Onigashima from falling and to take out the world government ship because they were going to annex Wano anyway so it, it makes sense that if Kaido loses somebody has to stop Onigashima from destroying Wano and then somebody also is going to have to stop the world government from moving in and that gives time for <clears throat> like, the grand fleet to show up at Wano because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a big believer that the Grand Fleet needs to actually contribute some shit to Wano because how the hell Fact, did you it, see like, it almost one, seems like a waste it almost seems like a waste to even talk about it at that point for it to not have been a factor to this to this this specifically this arc like if it's not going to come into play until the actual final war arc then they're calling them a Grand Fleet just it, it mm, no and we already know that a couple key people in regards to the Grand Fleet are either there or close by. So again, the pieces are all very close by. It's a, a matter of like where the domino is placed kind of thing. Like which one of the pieces are going to get knocked over next kind of thing. <clears throat> but I agree um, even to like the comment there. Like I said, I'm not sure. But I think, I, I think Fujitora, again, I, I'm still a very big proponent of like rectifying the the darkness within the marines and i think fujitora plays a key role in that so i think even fujitora stepping in and being like i don't know what this cp 
nonsense is, but here's what you're not about to do. You're not about to manipulate the history of what's happening behind the backs of the people. And I, I think that's the type of thing that I can see Fujitora stepping in and, and having a scene or even um, someone else stepping in and kind of just, you know, whatever, whatever. We know some of the warlords are just on ships floating in the sea. <laughs> like there's just, just so much that like, like the positioning of so many things um, that can be going on right now. Um, like I said, we haven't seen Boa in a long time. I'm looking forward to seeing Boa show, show face, even if it's just for a moment again. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think much, much like Black Clover, not in the essence of it being fully over, but in the essence of like this arc or this, this portion of this arc is about to be completed very much so over the course of the next couple of chapters. Um, <clears throat> we're definitely not leaving Wano expediently, but this fight is over. Yeah, like this fight has to be, and that's one of the things that they mentioned was the final enemy of Wano. And that kind of seemed to suggest that Kaido wasn't the wasn't final enemy. The final enemy. Mm -hmm. And my personal theory for this has been for a while now that the final enemy of Wano will pop up in Act 5 and it will be something that's sent in response to the Zunisha destroying the world government ships. Mm -hmm. And that'll be the SSG getting its first test run. Mm. And like the SSG that. will be a cyborg made from the body of Orge the Third. I like that. I like that. Because you like remember, we never technically got a hard conclusion on whether or not Orge Three died or not. Mm -hmm. We know that, and like Moria was like, "Don't damage the body too much because I want to oh, use right. his corpse." So all like Moria being kicked out of the government doesn't stop somebody else from utilizing that plane. Yeah, same thing with Vegapunk. Like Vegapunk, still people were other people were trying to continue his research at different point in times. Um, so like I I I like that. I, I really like that. I I really try you guys not to put myself in um headcanon space too much. No, I know, One Piece. I know. So oh my, look who's trying to join Johnny come lately. <laughs> Is trying to connect, but I, I really try not to put myself in too much headcanon space. So. I want to see things actively happening um, as I'm as I'm essentially basically you know reading and watching One Piece. Oh my goodness! Look who it is. Hello there, caller. Yeah, you know, caller in Vash here. I'm here from my van from work. Don't judge the background. Uh, all right, we were getting pretty close. Yeah, Came at the right time. Uh, yeah, like almost it's like come on hurry up but yeah here we go did you read the chapter yes i did read the chapter i just read it literally one minute ago just now before i came on the call all right so, so all right there caller please give us your thoughts <laughs> yo i just want to say this makes sense for luffy's character i saw people already talking about it uh this morning i didn't see what everyone said but i saw some some people saying that this don't make sense but even even kaido said it in the in the second to last um, in the second to last page that he is this this power has so much freedom of what you could do with it. I'm just paraphrasing. But even Kaido, he noticed it about it. So it makes sense for what was used and what was done in this chapter with Luffy's power. So it made sense. Yeah, no, like the I understand people being like, man, I wanted to 
the, the serious fight to be at least a little serious. But Oda has straight up told us he likes to spread joy and he wants people to be smiling and happy. X, yeah, exactly. Y, like, so. the whole time Luffy was smiling um, and he even said that I'm not afraid of dying. Like, it shows that he's having the most fun he can. And he, and I believe he, and I believe he said in the chapter that he just wants to have some fun or something like that, he said. So it shows that he, this is the point of Oda's character. Like, Luffy, even with gear second, gear four. Yes, gear four in tank mode was kind of serious, but he was still funny and goofy. Snake man mode was still more powerful, more bouncing everywhere, but he was still the same funny Luffy that he always been. Now, gear five or whatever of what Kaido calls it, hits up awakening mode. So it depends of what we see. But this is the most true Luffy we see since gear one all combined with them. Yeah. I, I, I'd almost beg to differ because I feel like, even like you said, like the level of freedom that is given at each gear just increases, which is again a gear. As you go up a gear, there is a greater level of freedom that is, you know, that is, is basically present. You oh. know, you know, you, even in the comparison to like, um, you know, the, the the two different forms of Gear Four, we get Gear, we get Snake Man later, but Snake Man is literally you see more movement in the, in the ability to move the body around, and you know, uh, even before that, you see the ability to fly based off of the propulsion and all these like the. The freedom, again, Anakin was talking to that a little earlier, is like the freedom is really the core principle of what One Piece is. Yeah. And and plus to add to that, like, I saw this morning that some people was bothered by the eyeballs of the crew when they reacted to Abba Luffy coming down. But I'm like, it makes sense. Like, that's his crew. His crew will be the extra cartoony instead of instead of everyone else because he's they're part of Luffy. They are what motivates Luffy to have the extra type of freedom because he wants his crew and himself to be the most free people in the world. So it made sense for that he, to happen. Oda's always been doing the cartoony eyes out of head thing though. I don't understand why people are really shocked by this. Like even so many times Chopper has that reaction. Yeah. Uh, or so many that, times you see Usopp, Usopp, it, Chopper, Usopp, it's Chopper. It's a derivative of an L phase. Yeah. It, like you you see you see them do it. The jaw <laughs> drop, the big head, like, like it like, oh my God. And it's not just Luffy. It's like you said, it's like the whole crew. And plus, like it reminds you a lot of the cartoon about our boy Popeye. Those mm. those expressions were there and lot in the show of Popeye. And it makes sense because Papa is very similar to Luffy in the aspect because he was the most freedom cartoony person in the character but he did the most extra shit when he was the MC because he was the main MC and he had the most freedom of the show and he was and he had the most expressive aspects of his own show and that's the same thing with Luffy so and plus Kaido was even enjoying this fight like he was questioning about the awakening about the devil fruit and when I read that when even Kaido brought up about the about the devil fruit, it reminded me about what Anaki brought up last week that we have never gotten the box about Luffy, and I'm like, at first last week I'm like, wait, Anaki's right, but then, 
when even Kaido brought it up too, like, yo, what fruit do you have then? And that made me question, like, shit, Aniki was right about that shit. Is that means we never have actually gotten the actual confirmation of what Luffy's type of devil fruit was, even for us as the audience to know about it. We were just told by Shanks and by Luffy, but we never have truly known what's in the box. So that was some dope type of confirmation in a way but from Kaido for us as the audience. So that was dope. Yeah, so let me let me read this real quick for you guys and for the audience as we, as we continue talking about this. So I think it's relevant, this portion here. Um, it says, Luffy says, oh yeah, I was dying before this. Wow, it takes a lot of energy. And Kaido's like, you know, he's like, yeah, you have my, my praise, my honor. I'm going to honor you after this. You know, Kaido gives his little spiel. And he's like, I don't need any. Luffy's like, I don't, I don't need any of that. <laughs> like, you know, and, and then there's this point here. He huffs, he's like, once we're dead, the only thing that's left is bones. That's interesting too. And he continues, he continues with his monologue. We've gotten so many good monologues out of, yes. um, out of this Wano arc. But again, it's this point of like, again, we were talking to Anakin about like, like Luffy died. I don't care what anybody said. Luffy effectively died in this fight. <laughs> um, oh. You know, and then, and then he goes on like, you know, another couple pages in and he calls out, he's like, Momo, Tama. And I think it's such a such super relevance because he calls out Tama. I think that's a little overlooked um, in that section um, of him like, 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 yo, we're not done yet, right? Like we still have more to prove, you know. Again, even though we know that we're talking again to this notion of shonens, like he's still Luffy is still talking to the next generation as well. You know what I mean? He's still like, yo, we still have something to do here. We still have something to prove to you all. And plus, I want to add to that as well, is that it's, it makes me question is that was this a mix of both Luffy and Joe Boy talking or was that more with Joe Boy just talking for Luffy with his knowledge, knowing that he's been inside Luffy the whole time. So that's what makes me intrigued about this. And that's why the hat. Uh, about this type of monologue. He was there with the adventure with them. Isn't that the whole point of his hat? Well, we, Luffy is in theory supposed to give the hat back to Shanks. But I do see Luffy passing it on as a more likely because like thing like when you guys out. discuss about the big hat, like it could have been a giant, or else it's just his whole body of entity is that hat, and I guess whichever more straw hats that got traveled with it, it's a connection of to Joe Boy. Yeah. yeah, you know, something about a will of some D or something as well, just glimmering in the background of the One Piece world. So yeah. Definitely interesting to see. Yeah, like it's very intriguing to see what's 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 gonna continue with the next monologues in the next couple of chapters because I feel like because I feel like Joe Boy is gonna be dropping more deep conversations that a lot of people is gonna miss. And the more that with the fact continues with Kaido, I feel like we're gonna learn more about the past and more about the Joe Boy aspect. So so let me ask you both this. Um Sorry, Aniki, you look like you was about to say something. But just real quick, I was just wondering, um, y'all think Kaido dies at the conclusion of this fight? I have a hard time believing that Kaido is actually going to die. At least I don't see any of the, I don't see any of the straw hats being responsible for Kaido's death. I agree. That, that's how I've felt I about it for a long time. I, I can't see a straw hat being the one to kill Kaido because Luffy doesn't kill Okay. Like, his, like main villains like that 
Mm-hmm. He, he's probably killed at least a couple dozen of hundred fodder by now, but he doesn't <laughs> kill the main villain. Yep. And any straw hat actually getting to execute Kaido is a form of upstaging Luffy, which you got to think like this arc, hands down, Oda was like, nobody in Luffy's generation gets to be better than Luffy in any perceivable way. Of course. Like, and, and to a certain degree, it was like, damn, he kind of did even, like, he did do Zoro a little dirty here because, like, when, like, at, like chapter 1000, when you get that red rock, it's like, Luffy's armament hockey is better than, like, what we got out of Zoro so far. And, like, any of the people on that roof, everybody's like, oh, he's got special armament hockey. By the end of like that first round with Kaido and Big Mom, it's like he's not conscious. Sure, like the only thing he's been able to be outclassed in is like strategy and utility, and now he's making up for the utility too with this, with like being able to bend the environment and stuff. But it's like you have that, so it's like cool, like Law and them were able to teleport away or whatever. But it's like Luffy was getting upstaged by like was not going to get upstaged, and like, he has supreme hockey. So it's like okay, cool we see the others who get their fight off and they actually get to win their fights and we see Zoro unlock like ACOC coding and it's like Zoro like Oda was like okay cool Zoro has an ability like similar to one of the abilities Terrible. that Luffy has access right. to even though like we're not even touching the future site thing that Luffy has to be special too but then it's like oh and then like law versus kid happens and it's like boom both of them are pulling out awakenings and stuff and it's like oh man that's crazy He's got access to this. And then it's like, no, they are not allowed to be better with their fruits. So right. he's got awakening and he's got ACOC and he's got advanced armament and he's got advanced future sight. So he's better than everybody. He's got like all the metrics that you need to like have covered, covered now. And when you talk about like raw physicals, he's a hand in hand fighter. So in theory, the only person that's going to keep up with that is like Sanji, but he's fighting Kaido. He has the ability to do amp his physicality, just like, Sanji amps his physicality through his awakening. So it's like, no matter what, Luffy was painted to be on top, the number one of the worst generation, even people who aren't in the worst generation officially, like Sanji. Mm-hmm. It's like... But you also get the scale back of the other worst generation that was there um, on the island. So you also see them. They're like in a whole tier below. <laughs> so they're like tier three, tier four. Then you got, you know, Law, Kid, and Zoro. And then it's just like the the gap between if if that's class a like if this is this is rank s like luffy is is categorically like you said it's just he is definitively beyond where the rest of his peers are but makes sense for that because i don't know why people was always hoping for zoro to be better than luffy in one class or you know hockey this which in there made sense because like if people know what parachute is your captain is the captain because he's the best at everything that's how that's how it usually goes in storylines or anything like that. And also when you're the MC in a shonen, like, yeah, you you expect something, you know, different like JJK on that. But the thing is, One Piece has been out for 20 years, so it still had the old trope and mm-hmm. the old type of shonen style. But Oda has changed a couple of, you know, cool twists and ideas, but the end is still a core shonen story and with the MC. And he's a captain of his own ship. He's the captain of his own ship that has to be the top dog and the top um, dog in his first generation. So for this to be him having future side, having gear fit, Joe Boy, it makes sense for his character. The one who, in the manga, in the first chapter, said that he wants 
all the freedom in the world. This makes sense for his character as Joe Boy, and who has the most freedom. So like Kaido said, that he is using his own fruit with the most freedom around the area where he got hit. There's no damage. The, the way Boy said giant, like my dude was a giant in the sky. Like what else can he ask for? Like he literally could stretch and be bouncy at his own free will. That's mm-hmm. dope as up. And we've, we've seen Luffy pre-Grand Line and post-Grand Line enact the idea that everyone deserves to be free. Nami deserves to be free. All the princesses deserve to be free. This island deserves to be free. If I got to put everything under my protection, if, if Luffy has to put everything under Luffy's protection, then everyone's going to get to be free to whatever they want to do. What well, why I'm curious, my last thought about it is that how many times is he going to die? Because he died twice in pre-time skip. If I'm correct, this is the first time he has died in post-time skip. Is that correct? So, I think so. Well, the way I kind of look at this is it's fitting that Luffy achieves this godhood state against a dragon because it kind of reminds me of, like, Goku and the transforming and having to be resurrected and restored by the dragon. So, it's, like, an interesting like kind of play and you got like this five minute timer for before Namek aka Wano gets destroyed. <laughs> so it it it's weird, but I still like it. It, it just it Yeah me weird. too. It's like I have no problem with him like dying because he died twice in pre time skill when he got shot by my kind you know but it was close to death like like a front of death's door. And mm-hmm. the other time is when he got surgery back and put down by him fighting the by him fighting the poison dude and he literally had to get surgery like almost OD by the by the second commander in the revolutionary army I forget his name um uh, Jack Queen I forgot yeah so like I, that's twice I, death in pre-time skill now post-time skill one so maybe he might die one more time in post or maybe just three times altogether who knows I mean, I kind of consider, I know he survives it, but I also kind of consider the impel down poison to be a death. Oh, yeah, there is one. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> you could argue Marine Ford is very close to him pretty much being dead. The the whole yeah. thing that he has to go through afterwards because he doesn't ever fully recover from impel down. Um, he's taken to train and Riley kind of and Boa kind of nurse him back to a certain state. Um, and then even if you don't consider it physically, he was emotionally destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> he he definitely yeah. emotionally died um, after Marine Ford. So I was getting smacked around by Jimbei because of how hard <clears> he was. <throat> That's yeah. your boy screaming ahead like, yo, boy, wake the fuck up. You have to realize if you want to save your other friend, you need to get stronger. So yeah. Yeah, he, it makes sense, but... like all that hurt feeling shit don't matter bro like your feelings can be hurt as long as they want to be but that ain't gonna change the fact that we gotta get this bread nah but for real like Jim Bay was like dude energy in the wrong stuff put it where it needs to go like my last thought is that I'm curious to see what the next chapter is gonna be and how and how Momotama is gonna help Luffy, like knowing that he's the one that's understanding this in a way or seeing this happen in front of him, my expectations to see how is he going to be involved with this because he's been involved with Luffy for the past 30, 60 chapters in one already. 
and he's been very intriguing with all this going on with Luffy, Joe Boy, with the elephant and everything else. I'm curious to see what are they going to be addition to Luffy help versus Kaido or help with Wano and the rest of the arc. So I'm really curious about that. Eat that Momo blast, bro. It, eh, I want it. Uh, don't expect it, but I do want it. Yeah. You know, you know, Luffy just Luffy just awakened everyone by everything that he's doing. So people are gonna just do even more weird, random, amazing things along the way. I mean, Roger did that with every pirate in the entire world. Like, Luffy could do the same. That's true. Start inspiring people now. I said Luffy already doing it. You see, yep. Shiro, Princess Shirohoshi changed. You see, a lot of people categorically changed just from interacting with Luffy. So that's very true. Well, then that, that that was my last thought on this chapter. Everybody good? Thank you, yeah. caller, for calling in. Uh, this is Anime Lately. Uh, we'd love to have you here. Um, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> but before you leave, please give us your outros. Oh, I'm sorry, your plugs. Yes. This, this new slang that's thrown around. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i got job so you can follow me as per usual it's kendall k-e-n-d-a-l-l-x anime on quirk chat twitter instagram tiktok you know the vibes you can also follow conqueror movement as well as my other affiliate and of course you know i'm gonna hand it off to vash you can find me always on Lindy Vash on Twitter, on social media. We can find me on Work Production. And you can find me on Anime Podcast this Thursday. T Plus Villains this Friday, where I'll be hosting. And definitely on Show the Road next week, I'll be here. So it's going to be a fun week. De- definitely find me. And I appreciate for Aniki being here as a guest, as always. So I appreciate for you being here. Thank you, Vash. Uh- Aniki Smash FSP. You can find me at that name anywhere you need to find. Nobody else has that name. Just if you need me, Aniki Smash FSP. Or look up Church of MHA. Those are the main things where you always find me. Next week we'll be back. Church of MHA plus I should be here on Shonen Ronin. Appreciate everybody that came through as always. And I appreciate you guys calling Captain on. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Sammy, you're mute. Sammy, you're mute. Thank you guys for watching, listening, all that stuff like that. You can always follow me on Sam the Ming Man. Remember to like the video if you haven't yet. Press that subscribe button. We're trying to reach 3K. It's been long enough. We got we got to reach 3K somehow, one way or another. But thank you guys. Thank you, Anaki, for joining us. We will be back with another episode next week with a return of My Hero Academia. With JJK will be on break. And yeah, you know what? Maybe let me give it a let's see what happens if i can try to catch up to one piece and we can all have a full-on one piece talk because apparently we can't do it for attack on titan so thank you guys for (laughs) thank you guys have a good one peace